documented. Miracles happening today. So welcome back everyone to Documented. Today we have a very special guest, Stephanie Van Epps. She is from Rochester, New York, or she's living there currently. And I met her at a conference a couple years back. And I have heard that she has an incredible testimony. So I know she's married. She has two little boys and she attends the church in New York. But other than that, I am in for a treat. We're going to dive into to her conversion story. So Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on and for reaching out and giving me feedback about documented and listening to it and all that. It's meant so much to me. Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. So this is a little surreal for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know where you want me to start. If you want me to start where I was born or if you want me to start. Like... Yeah, that's um, fine. Give us some background yeah. from originally. So I was born in Brockport, New York, which is like just outside of Rochester. I was born and raised there. My parents were dating when they found out they were pregnant and they got married like three months after they found out they were pregnant with me. So I was conceived out of wedlock, but not born out of wedlock. But I think that that, I mean, spiritually, we know that like that can have an implication and, you know, can change the dynamic already because it's kind of crazy, but everything starts even before you're born, right? Like God knits us in his in our mother's wombs. And so I think that that's an interesting place to start. My mom was in college, starting her junior year in college. She was, I can't remember what she was as a major. She was on the soccer team. She was in a sorority. She was really involved. So she had this whole life in Pennsylvania where she was going to college. And then she found out she was pregnant in like her second semester of junior year. So you weren't in the plans. No, not at all. So she was 21. She was 21 and I was not planned. (laughs) Sure. How long had she been with your dad? I think on and off for like a year, maybe. I don't know all of the details. It's a little hazy. No one gets into too much detail because my parents are divorced now. So they don't really talk about the happy romantic of dating. And I don't know that it was happy and romantic anyway. So they made the choice to get married based on the fact that she was pregnant. Yeah. So that was kind of, I think the biggest factor and he was going into the military as well. So he going into the army, I don't know if he was already enlisted, but he had to go to Germany. So my mom was pregnant with me and my dad was in Germany and he got put on leave to come home for the birth. And so I was due on December 2nd and I'm born December 21st. So she like, basically after I was three months old, my dad left like two weeks after I was born, went back to Germany And then my mom stayed, my mom was then a single mom, zero to three months, just had me such an adjustment and such a change and to like have to do it, you know, alone. Her parents both worked at that point too. So she was like home alone with me for the most part until she went to Germany to meet my dad um, and live on base. And so I lived in Germany from the time I was like three months until I was three years old. So we came back to the States when I was about three and in Brockport. I started school at four. So I was a pretty smart kid. And so my parents enrolled me in kindergarten and they found like a Catholic school for me uh, to start. So I was four. So that, that like, I think leads in in high school later. Like I'm saying that now because, you know, I was very young. Like I was the youngest in my grade always. And I was graduating at 17. We lived there. We lived in Brockport and, um, 
Was that um, the yeah. reason for the Catholic school? So my mom was Catholic. Actually, that's a really funny story, too, I guess, because my mom tried to get me baptized in Germany. Um, and my mom was Catholic and my dad was not. And when they went to go to the German priest to get me baptized, they went and he cursed their marriage <gasps> because my dad wasn't Catholic and he refused to baptize me. And he also, like, he I have no idea. A curse over it? That's crazy. I don't know if it was that or if he's like, I don't bless this union or like something oh, to that effect. Goodness. Like, yeah. So like there was like that whammy from the start, I guess, because like I wasn't, you know, typically in, in Catholic culture, you get baptized right away. Mm -hmm. Like when you're a baby. You're, did she grow up Catholic? Yeah. So my mom grew up Catholic her whole life. She was like dead. It's not dedicated. She got her first communion um, and did all that. I do remember like going to church a little bit as a kid. I went to Sunday school, but I was very defiant as a child. <laughs> okay. So I had a lot of questions even from a young age about God and the Bible. Really? Like I was very much like, what, how do you know that this is real? What yeah. do you mean? Wow. Like, why does it say this? Or why does it say that? Like, I do mm -hmm. have a very clear memory of being sat out of Sunday school. Um, eventually I was baptized and I was baptized when I was five, when we were living in Brockport four or five. I can't remember. It was like quickly after like my whole family came in, but I remembered it being a big deal because I like was old and getting baptized, like older. And then I started first communion classes with all the people in my grade. And it's really funny though, too. I think like when I was in the Catholic school, I do remember like kind of my first bouts of anxiety as well. I would have like, and this also was with Santa Claus. <laughs> And I didn't like connect these dots until like much, much later. But like, I remember having a big performance, like some Christmas pageant or something. And I like threw up in the bushes. I actually threw up in those bushes a lot. And I don't know why that's just like a memory that oh. sticks out is what? throwing up in the school bushes. Do you bushes. remember what the anxiety was about? <laughs> not really. Like okay. not particularly. I don't know if I was nervous because of the pageant. And then every Christmas Eve until I found out that Santa was real. Would, I would get sick nonstop on Christmas Were Eve. Were like, scared of him? Kind I of? think I was just anxious. Like, I was anxious that I wasn't going to get presents. I was anxious that I wasn't, okay. like, good enough. I was oh, like, and it's funny because I didn't think about it. I just was like, oh, yeah, every year on Christmas Eve, I puke. It was, like, a tradition. And I was like, yeah, that just happens. <clears throat> yeah, so that's kind of, like, my memory of Catholic school. So we lived there for a little bit, and then my dad got a job, actually, like, across Rochester. So I moved about 40 minutes away when I was in first grade. And this is kind of when I remember like my parents fighting for the first time too. So my parents would fight a lot. Do you remember the old Walkmans? Younger oh, listeners yeah. are going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> With tapes. Oh, so sure. I remember having tapes in my little Walkman. And so I remember putting on my Walkman at night to like drown out the sound of them like fighting and arguing. And like, wow. I do remember like waking up. There was a hole in the wall at some point. I think my dad had thrown something. So yeah, it was definitely like tumultuous. I must have just started first grade. It was like one of the school years and then my um, my cousin passed away. So this was kind of a big marker. Um, my cousin was like 16, so he was older, but he was like my favorite relative. Like at every every time we would go up to my grandma's, like I just wanted to be around him. He was 16 and I was like five, but he would go hang out with his friends and he would bring me with him. Very like attached to him and so he passed away in a drunk driving accident and it was my first funeral so I was six and I just remember like 
So his friend was driving. Friend was super banged up in casts, like just not good. And my cousin had a single bruise on his temple. He just had hit mm. the seatbelt like just right with his head. And that was it. That was his only injury. But he like had died from internal bleeding. So and dad must have had to do calling hours. And it was an open casket. So I don't think they like wanted me there. Mm-hmm. So I remember staying over with a friend and then we like went and we like went in a limo. And so that's kind of what I remembered was like, oh my gosh, we're in a lim- I'm in a limo for the first time. Like I didn't really understand like the full gravity of it, but also right. was like yeah. very sad. Burial was right after two. So yeah, so that was September. And I only know the timeline so well because my parents were fighting still. And then a couple months later in January, my parents separated. It was like this big death. And then my parents got separated first. You know, I didn't really like understand. We just went to move in with my grandparents. Also in the summer before my cousin passed, I, like, got attacked by a German shepherd. Oh, my. Like, I remember walking around this corner of the house, and I remember the after of, like, getting cleaned up and having to, like, not wear my favorite shirt to school, which was the most traumatic part about that. Like, <laughs> the, the, the mind of a six-year-old. Because it was, it was too bloody, but I don't remember. Oh, the thing goodness. was is I don't remember it. So my friend's mom was my babysitter. She was like my best friend and her grandma had a dog there and they, I think they had even told me like, don't go on the side of the house. And I think I was just like curious. I remember my best friend being upset with me because they had to put the dog down now because I think it had a bite history. It must have if they had to put it down right away. So yeah, I have like a scar on one of my eyebrows. So it was like the dog attack, (laughs) my cousin died and then my parents got divorced within like four months, Mm. four or five months. And then I had to start a new school. So, like, I went back to where I had grown up. And instead of going to Catholic school, I was, like, matriculated now so I could go to public. What do you remember thinking about your parents separating? Did you have any deep thoughts about it? Did you miss your dad? How was that for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't really remember having a lot of thoughts about it. There was an arrangement to go there every other weekend. So, like, I would go see him every other weekend which is like not great custody like (laughs) like in hindsight like you know you think about this in hindsight as a parent yeah exactly you only wanted to see your kid like every other weekend and I think he like was okay with it because he didn't want the responsibility it wasn't something that I think he really like wanted to take on because I mean he probably could have fought for more I'm sure But yeah, so it was definitely like a strange, I think I was probably like relieved a little bit because a lot of the fighting stopped. I remember a couple times going there. I only remember going to his house a few times. I remember like we decorated my room. He really wanted to make sure that it like felt like my space. And I think he was just trying to like overcompensate in some ways because it was, I don't know, like making me feel like it was home, but I was only there every other weekend. I never went there like and left clothes. And, like, I think he wanted me to, but I just, you know, I was there for two days. And you're also, like, at the point where you're making friends and you're having sleepovers. And, like, Mm -hmm. then you can't do stuff every other weekend with your friends or, like, started to get into cheerleading at that time. So it was, it felt like an interruption of your life. Yeah. Do you remember him trying to get, like, snacks that I liked? But then also, like, he would be frustrated if I didn't finish them. 
by the time I left because I like, I mean, I was six. I was eating like nothing. Yeah. I was a six-year-old girl. Like I wasn't, you know, pounding snacks. I'd be like, yeah, I want this and I want this. You're at the grocery oh. store. And, but yeah, I mean, so child? we like, yeah. So okay. I was an only okay. child too. And it's really interesting in hindsight too. Like I've talked to a lot of friends and even my cousins, they kind of had like a divorce situation too. And everyone who had siblings, I feel like it was a little bit easier because they had another person going through it with them. Mm-hmm. I think that was like part of it that was hard is I was just like alone. I did feel that in a sense. Like I did have family that cares. Like my mom was like very much like present and around and she was very like involved. She also like, so at this time they separated, she's working full time. And then she also went back to college at this time too. So my mom is like, going to college, working full-time, being a single mom, and only getting really every other weekend off. My grandparents would watch me from time to time, too, because we lived there. But I do remember, like, living with them for a short period of time, and then we got an apartment. Like, my mom was very much, very self-sufficient, very independent. But yeah, I mean, I was so close with my grandparents. My grandpa is kind of, he is, like, the strongest male figure I have for sure. But my, my grandpa was that, like, strong male figure that was there, like, all of the time. My grandparents, even now, still come to everything that I'm in or doing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And they live, like, four hours away. So they'll still come down, though, if wow. there's something. And, like, so they never missed, like, anything. So, like, cheer games and all that kind of stuff. It was almost like I was, like, their third kid, in a way, because my mom has a sister. So it was, like, they kind of took on that role but like it wasn't you know sometimes you see the grandma raises the kid and it's because the mom's not involved but that wasn't it it was like a second set of parents almost sure. kind of like a support system and my aunt was in town too and she was really supportive as well like you know would be at dance recitals and the bigger stuff so I definitely had like a support system but there was definitely like a loneliness in that in going through the divorce processing that Basically, as soon as I moved back to Brockport, I was in with the school counselor. And it's really funny because like when I until I was a teenager, I kind of just was, oh, everybody goes and sees the school counselor when they're like moving schools. But I didn't realize it was because I like was like doing (laughs) dramatic things. My mom had kept all these journals and stuff from when I was like, you know, in first and second grade and stuff. I remember reading one of these journal entries and it was like the cat and the dog were best friends. And then the dog died the end. And it's like this dog that's just like bloody, you know, like it was like in my daily journal that I was writing this. So like, obviously the teachers like flagged it and were like, Hey, this girl like (laughs) needs to seek some help or like get some help. So that was also like my first experience with like counseling. Like I would have to go down like once a week, see the counselor and talk to them like, I'm talking all through elementary school. It's really weird because I remember being like a pretty happy kid. Like I remember being in my feels for sure. But like I do remember like not being like a morose kid. Like I would like I love to listen to music and like blast it. And like I would keep myself entertained. But like I don't remember being like a miserable kid or like a problematic kid like kind of a goody two-shoes honestly like I I wanted to get good grades also I wasn't allowed to not get good grades so like if I got under a 90 it was failing to my mom yeah so like anything below a 90 was like unacceptable (laughs) it's interesting because she has the same role with my sisters too 
So she does that with my sisters as well. I think it was just she really places a high value on education. And I don't know if that's from like having to work so hard for it because she did have to work really hard for it. But yeah, so that was like the expectation. So I like, you know, I had to get good grades and I I didn't like disappoint on that. I was just a good kid, you know, so I saw the school psychiatrist until I got into like middle school. I really remember seeing my dad, you know, he kind of around like 10 or so he started to get more inconsistent. I feel like for whatever reason, I, I didn't see him as much. And I feel like around then is when it started. Like I said, I was in cheerleading. Something like about my childhood is I've always been in like a million activities. My mom was definitely about that. So a lot of extracurriculars and doing well in school. And so I took dance from a young age. I was in cheerleading for a long time. Yeah. So keeping really busy. What what was your perception or lack of perception of God during this time? What what do you remember thinking about God? Was he just something you thought about every once in a while? Did you think he was real? Do you remember any of that? Yeah. So it's really interesting. So for I do remember for a time we went to, you know, we went to church pretty regularly because my grandparents are very devout Catholics. So they like go every single Sunday. I th- I'm pretty sure they tithe. They give regularly. I do know that. They're very involved in their church. They've always been really involved. And so I do remember for a time going regularly. And then I think it fell off at some point and we became kind of like Christmas and Easter goers. I don't even think, you know, I think I had started to kind of question, is God real? And so, like, in all this time, I went to probably, like, four or five more funerals. So, like, it was my cousin, Jesse, and then until I was 12, my, like, sixth funeral or something like that was my great-grandmother. Now, my great-grandmother, Mimi, (laughs) she was a wild lady. She smoked until she, like, died, and she was on oxygen, and she would drink non-alcoholic beers, and she was kind of crass, and she was, you know, a little bit ornery and I remember going to her funeral and I remember them saying all these beautiful things about her going to heaven and and about you know just being a Catholic and all of this stuff and I remember sitting in the pew at like 11 or 12 and being like hypocrites this woman was not like that she's nothing like you're saying she was if she was a Catholic this is not the God I want to serve because clearly it's not real And I like at 11 or 12 was like, I don't believe in God. And I became an atheist at like 11 or 12 because I was like, this people aren't living it. Like it's not real. It can't be real. You didn't see any change. And then you just saw this pretend show and it didn't line up with the person you knew. Wow. So when you say you became an atheist, it was just something settled in your heart that God must not be real. Or did you pursue that? I kind of just said at that point, I was like, God must not be real. I don't believe in this. Like, it's not for me. Kind of lived my life with that. Like, I was like, he's not real. And you know, it's all kind of futile. We just die. When we're when we die, we just die. We go in the ground. And that's it. We just have this life. And that's all we've got. And so, you know, that's kind of a dangerous perspective going into middle school um, (laughs) to like go in being like, I don't care. The sixth grade, I was still very much like a goody two shoes, 
really wanted to do well in school. I kind of fell in like at this point, I had like a core group of friends. There's four of us girls. We were really, really close. One of the girls was, you know, also had a single mom. So we like got along really well. And these are the people like I'm having sleepovers with every weekend. I'm hanging out with them. You know, we just were so close. They were my my best of friends. And so it was a solid group. And, and I was just kind of, I was in honors classes. You know, I'd been in honors classes from elementary school. So I kind of was like on an accelerated program because I was able to kind of get ahead in some subjects. So I was still like a straight A student and kind of just finding myself, you know, as you do, finding my style, trying to figure out what I liked, figuring out that boys existed, like just like having crushes for the first time. Do you remember though that year I went for a weekend with my dad and he brought me to a party on an island and like all the adults were like absolutely wasted. And like, I do remember like going to bed being kind of scared because everybody was kind of out of their mind. And I like locked myself in a bedroom and I just kind of like fell asleep. And then, like, went back to my grandma's because sometimes my dad would take me and he would, like, have me go to my grandma's and he would try to just, like, leave me with my grandma. But this time I was begging to, like, hang out with him. I, You know, I think I just really did want to, like, hang out with my dad. You have that in you that you, like, want to mm-hmm. be with your parents. Mm-hmm. So, like, he did let me go, which was maybe the stupider decision, honestly. But, like, <laughs> thank God nothing happened to me. I didn't, like, try to drink either. Like, we're talking, like minimal supervision I was mixing drinks so I am like 11 like mixing drinks for all these adults making blended beverages for them like going in the hot tub tubing on a jet ski with like a drunk driver like it was like not a good scene and I do remember that like very clearly going to there and then like shortly after that like there was no weekend did you tell your grandparents or your mom about it and they were like nope I don't really remember, honestly. I just remember, like, going there and, like, of course, originally I thought it was so much fun because I am, like, Mm -hmm. you know, on a tube and, like, they're, like, whipping the tube around and, like, the only thing I had seen as far as, like, partying and drinking was, like, more with my dad than anything because he was, like, you know, he was an alcoholic at this time, too. He wasn't making good choices and around this time, he had like gone to rehab too shortly after that I remember as well like I remember my mom telling me that my dad had been in an accident like a really bad accident and that he was like going to rehab so it was a DUI so like yeah it was a DUI because he was like really over the legal limit and I think he was kind of like well I had cough medicine I wasn't really drunk you know like I I remember hearing that like kind of story This is, I think, like the summer before seventh grade-ish. You know, my dad was in rehab. And I do remember my aunt, Lainey, she brought me down to pick him up from rehab. So I do remember, like, picking him up from rehab and, like, seeing him after he had finished his program. I, I remember getting him. I remember, like, being at the doors of the rehab. But I think I was just so happy he was alive. You know, my cousin had died in a drunk driving accident. So really, I was just happy he was survived a drunk driving accident, you know? So, like, I do remember that. And I remember being like, okay, my dad's going to stop drinking. Like, I did know that, like, he was drinking a lot. And I knew that it was a problem. I did have enough of thoughts to think that, you know, at 11 or 12. Like, I was like, I'm glad my dad's going to stop drinking. And around this time, my my mom has been dating, but I haven't really met 
any of her boyfriends until like around this time as well. So she like had started to go on dates like with my stepdad. You know, I remember meeting my stepdad and I feel like I remember like him moving in really soon around that time too. So it was like she met him when I was 12. He moved in and they were married by the time I was like 13-ish. So it was kind of fast. And at the same time, my dad was also dating my future stepmom, but like they weren't like that serious and it wasn't that fast. In my home life, my stepdad had moved in. How did you feel when you yeah. first met him or found out that she was dating someone? I really respect that. Like, you know, as she's dating, as you know, she's she's 30, like mm-hmm. she's dating as a 30 year old woman with a kid. And she was so respectful of me in that time in like not introducing me to every guy that she like met or so I remember like thinking he was nice you know he was like very different than my dad <laughs> my dad's mm-hmm. like the six four like tall dark he's handsome and is you know he's very handsome but he's like tall and dark and Joe is like kind of a shorter blonde guy so they're like <laughs> complete opposites so that was kind of very interesting you know he was a complete opposite it was definitely weird because it had been like me and my mom for like six years before he moved in. It was just we had kind of gotten into a cadence and a rhythm. Like my mom was like my best friend in a lot of ways. You know, even though I did have like other friends, I wasn't just hanging out with my mom. I think like it impacted me more than I thought it did, especially like talking about it now. I guess I've never really talked about it before. Like I, I definitely like resisted it and I resisted him like being a parental figure for sure. Because around this time, like around when I was like 12, I kind of started to get a little bit rebellious. You know, this is the first time I kissed a boy was when I was 12. You know, it was the first time I was like really having like a boyfriend. Like I was starting to get boyfriends. And And was your mom opposed to that? I don't think she realized I was kissing boys, but she was like, okay with me having a boyfriend. I was allowed to have like boyfriends to the house to like hang out. So... My mom is dating and like this guy has moved into our house. Dad starts dating my stepmom. And I remember being really upset the first time I met her because she like had wine in her house. And I was like, how could you do this? Like my dad's an alcoholic. Why would you have that around? And me just being so very upset that she had alcohol in her house because I was like, well, that means my dad's going to drink again. Wow. And so, like, I, like, wasn't even around my dad that much to even, like, understand, like, the full implications of that, right? But I did, like, understand to a certain degree that, like, he shouldn't drink. So, yeah. So, then I'm, like, starting to kiss boys. I remember, like, going to my first middle school dance in seventh grade and, like, grinding, (laughs) which is, like, (laughs) so embarrassing to say out loud. But, like, just inappropriately dancing with boys and had my first kiss. And, you know, that was like my first boyfriend. And so then I got a second boyfriend at this time. So I kind of started to get absorbed in my own world. So like parents have all this stuff going on too, but I'm getting absorbed into my own thing. I like remember going to the movies just to make out with boys. I was very boy crazy, (laughs) very boy crazy. And so I had this one boyfriend for like two months and then we broke up and then I got another boyfriend and I remember he was my boyfriend as I like turned 13. He was a couple years older, which so disgusting in hindsight. Like, Mm -hmm. why are you with a 13 year old? But I remember, and this is like so messed up. This is why it's so important. 
I feel like sometimes like we really discount teenagers and like where they're at. We just discount how much they can mess up their lives so young. Sure. Yes. <laughs> because like I really messed up my life really young. You know, I remember around this time too, like learning what weed was, learning what kind of that I could drink alcohol. You know, obviously I knew it was a thing because my dad, but like learning that I could drink alcohol and I had my core best friends and one of my best friends was kind of also hanging around. We started hanging around with people that were like kind of more into drugs and like kind of, you know, rebellious and more like a skater culture versus like I was very preppy in sixth grade. And then all of a sudden in seventh grade, I kind of became like more into skater culture and that kind of scene. And so I, I still didn't want to do drugs. I was very like anti-drugs. And at this point, I was still, like, kind of listening to my mom. Sure. <laughs> you know, I'm, like, kissing boys, but I'm, like, there are still lines in the sand here. You know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I'm still going to be pretty good. And so this was kind of, like, my foray into doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And, again, like, I have that mindset of, like, okay, the mindset that, like, when we die, we die. This is it. This is our only life. I've got, like, my dad who's just out of rehab dating this girl that's drinking. So I'm thinking about that. You know, I've got a guy living with us. My mom's about to get married. And so that's all what's happening Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we set the stage. So then it's the New Year's Eve that I'm 13. And I remember this so clearly. I wanted to go to a party and I wasn't allowed to go because my mom was really strict. Like she was a very strict parent. There was still like filters and stuff on my life to a certain degree. You also have to remember this is like the MySpace era. So any children listening, (laughs) MySpace was like the first social media site. And so like I was on MySpace. So I was like allowed to do certain things, right? I don't believe in God, but I do have this friend from Girl Scouts around this time. And this really sticks out to me now as an adult. Her mom, they didn't have a TV in their house. They were like devout Christians and her mom like wouldn't let her have MySpace, restricted computer time, restricted screen time, knew what was going on with her. Doors were open when you were at their house, couldn't talk to boys, was a very like strict parent in a different way. Right. And I remember being like, this is awful. (laughs) What do you do? Like, you're not allowed to talk to boys like this is so weird. But obviously being an adult, having kids going through all the stuff that I'm about to go through, tell you about, I respect that so much now, but I did have like people in my orbit that were like Christians starting to have this little orbit of people that are Christians. And no one's ever really like telling me about Jesus or telling me about the gospel, but I am seeing different bits of it. I also have this friend, Stephanie, her name is also Stephanie. And she was into Bible quizzing. She was very involved at her church. Her family wasn't saved. But she went to the Baptist church and she was into Bible quizzing and she was very, very much saved. Like she didn't want to do the things that we were doing, but she was still like friends with us, but she didn't want to do the things we were doing. And like she very much was living a Christian lifestyle. She was an example of a Christian. And then I'm in eighth grade and I'm 13 and I, New Year's Eve and I'm home alone. I couldn't go to this party. That's where I left off. Sorry. I couldn't go to this party. I was so upset. All my friends were there, but there was like drinking there for sure. Like my mom made a great call to not have me go there. But like my boyfriend at the time was there and I was so upset, but I was, I am going to lose my virginity this year. That is my new year's resolution. Wow. At 13, which is so sad, (laughs) like absolutely so sad in hindsight. But at that time I was like, I am an adult or something. I don't know what I was even thinking. 
I think it was also kind of a natural progression of like kind of hooking up with guys yeah, too. Like I was hooking up with my boyfriends. Sure. Like I definitely was just on that road anyways. Sure. And I think it was just kind of like, ooh, this is the next thing I can. So I do remember like losing my virginity the next day. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, New Year's Day. Which was like New Year's Day, you, you know, hit that starting goal the fast. New Year off. <gasps> so embarrassing but like and it was like to a boyfriend like this older boyfriend that didn't really care about me he was just he was just sleazy tell me a little bit more about the emotions around it what and how did that relationship turn out yeah I mean like I I didn't really feel anything about it I kind of was just like we were at his parents house and like just trying not to get caught it was not romantic it was not like sweet it was none of that It was very, like, transactional, trying to accomplish a goal. Like, I wasn't putting anything into it, right? Like, emotionally, like, investing into it. You think at that time, when you don't really have any knowledge of what sex is supposed to be, you don't realize that there is emotion attached. I feel like, though, like, we broke up, like, soon after. And I was, like, devastated. I do remember being devastated. And then I had told my friend, my best friend, Um, And she was, like, kind of hooking up with guys, too. Like, it wasn't like she was, like, innocent. And, you know, this is also in the time of instant messenger. Mm -hmm. So, like, you would log on to the computer and you would, like, instant message. And I had instant messenger and told her I'd lost my virginity. And had this whole, like, we had this whole conversation about it. And so a couple weeks later, though, she printed it out and, like, had passed it around to a couple people and had told her mom. I knew that she had told her mom and I knew that my mom had found out. So let's talk about this a little bit. This yeah. was your best friend. This is one of the girls that were in your inner circle. One in of my the friend four. Group. Yeah. And so she used to hook up with guys, but she hadn't lost her virginity. Yeah. And Correct. so yeah. what was her, her printing it out and passing it out? Was it to shame you or just spread gossip like oh my gosh look at what I found out what was her intent behind it I think we had gotten in some stupid fight about something oh my gosh yeah she had also like dated this guy a little bit like if they had hooked up before like we had dated so I think like that also like played into it too and it was like it was just so messy like her mom called my mom and so I found out that my mom had found out, I guess. And at this time, my mom didn't work at the school. She was like in a different school district. And so like I knew for whatever reason, I knew my mom was going to talk to me about this. And I don't know if you ever heard of Rachel's Challenge. It's like the um, the family of one of the girls that died at Columbine. So I was in that assembly. I was in the assembly in the gym. And I said, after this, I'm not going to go back to my classroom. I'm going to run away. It wasn't even I have to run away. I was like, I have to tell this guy that my mom's going to find out, which I don't know what I thought that would solve. I wasn't thinking. I was just like, I have to tell him. And I didn't have a phone yet. And so, like, I was, I have to tell him and I can't get a hold of him and I don't want to go home. Yeah, he was in high school. So I was in eighth grade in middle school and he was in high school. So I, like, walked. So his house was probably, like, 10 miles from the school or like eight miles or something it was really far and I walked from the school like I was walking to his house and my parents didn't know where I was I'm on this mission I have always been like that like if I'm on a mission I am like on a mission and I come hell or high water this mission will be like 
complete. <laughs> and it must have been like March. So this was like, you know, months later, like March-ish, that I am like going and walking to his house. It was spring, so it wasn't that cold, but it was raining. And I was walking and I'd gotten pretty far. Like I was almost to his house. And my stepdad found me on the side of the road and picked me up because they were kind of they were looking for me. They didn't know where I'd gone. They must have known kind of where to look for me ish because my stepdad did find me, but he found me on the side of the road and like made me get in the car. And so like I went home and I was like terrified, right? Like I'm just like, (laughs) not only am I going to now get in trouble for like running away, but I'm also getting in trouble for like having sex. I do remember though, my mom being very kind about it. She didn't ground me. She was just really sad, I think, and upset, kind of disappointed but like kind of like my consequence was I had to go to the gynecologist for the first time at 13. She like had me get on birth control because so I got on birth control and that was like traumatizing, right? Like, you know, if you've ever had a, an appointment like that, it was very traumatizing. And so I like go through that and then I'm on birth control, but then I'm on birth control. So I'm like, I am a free agent. I have no consequences now. Which is, like, the dumbest way to approach it. But, like... I think it's natural. But I also think that that is the conclusion that a lot of parents, especially that don't have Christ, that's the, that's their conclusion. I don't want to ruin her life by her getting pregnant when she's, you know, 13, 14 years old. But it just yeah. kind of emboldens the behavior. <laughs> Plus, and embolden it doesn't it did. work, <laughs> usually. Yeah. What 14-year-old's taking that crap on time? I did for whatever reason. I was very good at taking it. I was very much like I had an alarm on my phone. Like I was very routine. I remember I got another boyfriend and we like started sleeping together. I remember the first time because it was a big deal and I had snuck out of my house to go to his house to like hook up with him. And so it was like a big deal. And like I went, he lived like three miles away and I walked all the way there. Oh my God. At 13, again, on a mission. And so that was like kind of weird. You know, it was the middle of the night and I I snuck over there and... Did he know you were coming? Yeah, we had made a plan and I had gotten a cell phone at this point. So I have a cell phone and we had like made a plan and like, so like I could text him and stuff. And so I sneak into his house. Going through his window? (laughs) No, through the front door. He just opened the door for me. But his parents' room was on the first floor and his was on the second floor. So it's like we just had to, like, go up the stairs and then his parents were on different floors. And his mom was pretty sick, too. Like, I can't remember what she had, but, like, she was pretty sick. So, like, his parents were kind of distracted. I remember that, like, it was more of the first time I feel like I should have had, if that makes sense, to me. Like, it was in an actual bedroom. It was more of an experience. From then on, like, he would sneak over to my house more than anything and like he would skateboard down to my house one time we got caught at my house my mom like came down and he like had hid in the crack in between the wall in my bed and my mom was like is that you you know his name and he was like yeah and I remember she didn't ground me because she didn't want my stepdad to find out because she didn't like I think because she like just didn't I don't know if she like didn't want the heartbreak for him of like knowing that that was happening or like I don't know what it was but like she just didn't want that so like I didn't really get in trouble 
It was like, but like, I will say they knew I was sneaking out or sneaking in or whatever. All of a sudden my windows were nailed shut, like screwed shut because we lived on a split level and I was in the basement in a bedroom. So like it was easy to sneak in and out of my room because like I was at ground level and we had, I had like a shelf right under the window. So it was like not difficult to get in and out from my bedroom. That relationship, I was really close to him, but I do remember too, like I still hadn't done drugs up until this point because he was starting to do drugs. Or I remember he like smoked with one of our mutual friends for the first time. And I was so upset. Like I was devastated and like, it was just a bad relationship. He did not care about me at all. He like cheated on me. And I still was like, I was obsessed with him, but it was because I slept with him. Right. So I was just like so obsessed with this boy. And so he eventually broke up with me. And this is where it gets really traumatic. So he breaks up with me and I cannot stop crying. Like I'm devastated. I'm screaming. I'm crying. I'm screaming. I'm crying. And around this time too, my mom is pregnant because I have two sisters. They were born when I was 13 and 14. So I'm like doing all this and my mom is pregnant and having small children. This poor woman has never had a normal pregnancy or infant, you know, having infants. Feels so bad. <laughs> so I am like screaming and crying and I just can't control my emotions. I am just so devastated, gut wrenched. And so my mom, I don't know why, but she called the cops to calm me down. And I was put under mental health arrest. So that's wow. where you're like arrested because like you can't calm yourself down or you're like psychotic or crazy. You just can't control your emotions. It's a little bit more. So this isn't you crying into a pillow in your room. Yeah. Like I was like upstairs. I do remember being in the living room and like hyperventilating. Like I was hyperventilating, but I do remember just like trying to be understood, trying for my mom to understand like how devastated I was. How heartbroken Like I you think, were. yeah, in my brain, like I was, you don't understand like how, and I think I was like calling him like nonstop to So there must have been an element of that. Like, I was like, no, I just want to talk to him. Like, I know we can work it out. Like, I just want to talk to him. And so I am just like. So sad. That's so hard to go. Yeah. 13. Yeah. So like, you know, there's just so many emotions, so many Mm -hmm. hormones. I think I'm just like that upset. And like, I just felt like no one understood that this was like the most devastating thing in the world. And how could you even like not understand that? And so. So tell me about mental health arrest. What does that look like? Yeah. So the cops came in and I remember them like trying to talk to me and I was like, no, I'm just like so upset. And like, I couldn't stop crying and hyperventilating. And at one point I think I tried to like leave the house. I definitely tried to like go out of the door while the cops were there. Cause I was like, I just need to like be alone or something. Like I was like, I just don't want to be around people. And as I left the cop grabbed me and like put me to the ground. And so like had me like on the ground with his knee on my back and like handcuffed. Wow. And then I remember like going to the I hospital. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. And like normally it's for like people on drugs and like people threatening suicide. And I don't know that I was threatening that. That did happen later. But this first time was I, I went to a hospital and, you know, there's only so many hospitals that do psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. So there's only two at this time that had psychiatric centers at all. And so we went to the worst one. I think the like the good one had too many, too many people and the emergency was room was too full and they didn't really know what to do with me. I remember being in this holding cell effectively. 
It wasn't a normal hospital room. It was a holding room, like a padded kind of room with like a half door and a security guard and like a nurse outside. And I just kept crying and being like, I just want to reach out to my boyfriend. Like, I just want to reach out to him. And they're like, no, like you can't leave until you stop saying that. I just like did not understand fully what was happening because I was like, this is so crazy. I ended up being there most of the night, I feel like. And then the next day we went to Strong Hospital, which is like one of the hospitals here. And we went to the psych unit and, you know, they gave us information about like the different therapies I was supposed to be doing. And so, you know, I had to find a therapist. This is, I think, when I found a therapist and got on antidepressants because I couldn't like control my emotions was really what it was. And I was having like these depressive episodes, I guess. And, you know, this was kind of like this like heightened state of it all. And so I don't think. What year was this? This was like 2008. So like there was still very much a stigma too around like mental health. So then I like went and they they put me in an outpatient program to start. So I would, instead of going to school, I would get on a bus and I would go to the hospital and I'd go to therapy all day. Okay. I'm, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So you had never, you hadn't even touched drugs at this point, but because of, because of your lack of ability to emotionally regulate after a breakup. Yeah. They're putting you on antidepressants and putting you in an outpatient program. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the world's answer when, when they're like hopeless about that kind of thing. But I, I'm just kind of surprised because I remember my breakups and like, they're horrible. (laughs) (laughs) You feel like it's everything, you know? And I remember just soaking pillows and crying and literally walking around feeling like you truly have a broken heart and just, and definitely going through some depression, but did it help? So And so this is like where kind of my intelligence and my like emotions like would conflict because I was smart enough to parrot back what any therapist like wanted to hear. Sure. So I was smart enough to kind of like just parrot it back and just and get out of there. Like I just remember being like I want to get out of here by my birthday because it was December. And so I remember just kind of like figuring out what the game was that I had to play to like get out of this program. Okay. So I did that and I like how did they started trying out therapists? I think like so this is where I started to kind of have like an identity crisis. Um they made me really sleepy, so whatever I was on, like I always had to take at night and like then I would be like kind of out for the count and I remember that with like all the antidepressants I took. And that's also why like I remembered to take my birth control so well was because I had to take my antidepressant too. And so it was kind of like one and the same. And so, you know, I would just really like knock out And I remember starting to have this identity crisis of, well, who am I if I'm like one person without this medication and another person with this medication? Sure. You know? Mm -hmm. And so like I kind of start thinking those kind of thoughts and like um, shortly after I kind of started to like smoke weed. So I went back to school. I started to get bullied by my ex-boyfriend and he started like telling people that I'd gone to the psych ward. Oh, no. And like... So like I like people had kind of like thought I was crazy and then you had a goal to get back to school by your birthday and you yeah. met that goal. Yeah. Okay. Again, very goal. So how much how much um school had you missed for the program? I'd only missed a week. Like a week oh, and a half. I see. Okay. So you went so, like, to I this had... outpatient 
deal, but now you're yeah. on antidepressants. You come back. So I see that kind of makes a little more sense. It's not like you were gone for a year and then your boyfriend bullied you. So he found out that you had gone to a program. How yeah. did you find that out? Just because you I were missing? I think I might have told him. Or like, oh, sure. I don't know. Because you were really trying to get a hold him. of him. I was trying to get a hold of him and I can't remember if he really bullied me before or after because there was like a couple times that we slept together like after that too Jeez. so like because I really wanted to be with him like you I just thought to he make was it right all and... okay. which is so stupid in hindsight I'm just like this guy yeah <laughs> it's the only reason it's stupid in hindsight is because you know you're in your 30s now yeah no it's, it's like true. It, your brain hasn't fully developed and then you introduce these adult ideas yeah especially a sexual relationship then if someone walks away from that, absolutely devastated. So devastated. I was wondering if you remembered the specifics of going back to school and when you first saw him. I wanted to see him. That was really what it was. Like I was trying to win him back over. Like sure. I got him a Christmas gift that year. Oh. I just, and a birthday gift. Cause like our birthdays were close. I just really was trying to like win this guy back over. So this was December. And then after Christmas break in January, I skipped school one day at the end of school I skipped school a lot I would just go home I'd be like I'm done I'm walking home and like sometimes my boyfriend would come home with me like that was like the kind of thing it was oh well we'll just go home who cares this is when they didn't take attendance every period they only took attendance at the beginning of the day so like you could leave third period and no one would really know and if you were home when your parents got home it was like okay great but this time my mom got home and I wasn't home because I had gone to his house this is again after I'd been in the hospital it was borderline, like not a good situation. Like I was definitely like crying throughout it. It was not a good, it was not a good time. And then I remember him being like, okay, I'm going to call your mom and tell her you're here now and you can go like, immediately after it was done. Like he was just, he wanted to get what he wanted to get and like, get me out of there. And I just wanted to be close to him. So I was just taking whatever time I could get. So like my mom picked me up and like, she was kind of being gentle with me too at this time. Right. Cause like, I'm, you know, just out of like a psych program kind of navigating that I think again like she's either pregnant or just had a baby like she there's a lot happening <laughs> and then the second time I did it he like refused to see me and so I like threatened suicide and I was oh. like I'm just gonna hang myself like I'm gonna go somewhere on your property and hang myself so, I was yeah so this is another time that you decided to leave school, school. early and he yeah. was already home he just got home early or something so for you whatever showed reason. Up unannounced or had you messaged him or what what happened i think i just unannounced like showing up at someone's house so i yeah just showed up and then it was like you know he like didn't want anything to do with me and he was also going through a lot i think i just he was going through a lot because his mom was really sick too so but yeah so i get there and i am just Ooh. he's like i want nothing to do with you i have a new girlfriend like i want nothing to do with oh, you he had a new girlfriend and, yeah, and so was like, she at your school? Yeah, she was at my school and she eventually was one of my biggest bullies, honestly. At that point, I do remember very clearly, I like was kind of in his front yard. The ambulance came. I was mental health arrested again. So what did he say yeah. when you were like, if you're not with me, I'm going to kill myself? He was like, I think he like called my mom and like, I think she called the ambulance like pretty, pretty shortly after. It was a very like quick sequence of events and so you know they came and and I this time I went into an inpatient program so you don't go home at all you're just in the hospital 24 7. Did you feel betrayed were you upset were you relieved? 
I don't really know. I think I just like was just so upset. And I think I was a little bit relieved to just like, I don't know, just like get a break. But I don't really know so much. But I do remember like going in and getting in, like in taken to the inpatient programs. You know, it was at night. So it, it was like get put into a room. I didn't have a roommate this time. So I just remember you go to therapy all day. I was trying to do the same thing I did the first time, which was just kind of like say what you play the game here. Yeah, get out of there because I was just not having it. Um, And they changed my medication and they changed my birth control because they were saying something about how like the birth control has to they wanted to regulate the hormones, my hormones. What is your opinion on that? Because I remember (sighs) I went on birth control for my acne. Yeah. And I was suicidal. I couldn't figure out why I kept thinking about killing myself. I was literally, I should drive my SUV off the cliff. Like I was thinking about oh, different ways yeah. to kill myself. And I, I was saved. I mean, like, <laughs> it was just weird. Yeah. And I finally was like, what changed? And then I'm like, could it be the birth control? Because I didn't know anything yeah. about it, really. I just was, they just said, it'll help clear it'll up help your wrecking. face. Yeah. And I got off it and it totally went away. Since then, I've always, wow, it messes with your hormones. What are, what are your no, thoughts on that? I think so too, because looking back, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. So yes. looking back, like I didn't really have those kind of suicidal thoughts. Like, yeah, I'd seen a counselor and stuff, but I didn't have like that level of suicidal like ideation or thoughts until after I was on birth control the first time. Wow. Because the first time I went on birth control, like I didn't have antidepressants. It was only like the after being hospitalized in the first the first time that they introduced the antidepressants and so so you're dealing with a real emotion which is your first breakup with somebody that you have a soul tie with with antidepressants and birth control in your system yeah I think we just solved what's going on with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I mean it was intense though and they started like I think like my actual diagnosis was like bipolar disorder is what they thought it was. So they were trying out a new form of treatment as well. So they put me on an anti-schizophrenia drug that they were using for bipolar because it was in children because I was a literal child still at this point. They had seen that in children it had a similar effect as some of the bipolar medications because you can't like there are certain medications you can't give to a child that are for bipolar disorder. Okay. So they couldn't give you the bipolar meds. So they gave you the schizophrenia drug. Apparently, but also like half the time I was in the hospital, I remember my mom being really mad because they gave me the wrong medication for some of my time in inpatient. So like, yeah. And like, you know, the, the inpatient word is really scary. And so like, spoiler alert, I did end up going back again. So I was an inpatient twice. The wow. second time I I actually had reached out to my Christian friend. I had like taken a bunch of pills, which I didn't know were high blood pressure wait, medication. Wait, wait, wait. Don't rush through this. Okay. So your, oh, first, okay. <laughs> your first inpatient program, you yeah. said that you were in the groups. I think I, I, I distracted you. You said yeah. you were in the groups no, you're good. and that you were kind of trying to do the same thing, which was yeah. just telling what they needed to hear. Yeah. So you have it. group therapy, you have, you know, and I, I do remember I have a very specific memory of only a couple of friends reaching out to me. 
And so it kind of really changed a lot of my friendships too. Cause I was like, you know, who was there for me at this like very, very dark time. And that is so much pressure to put on another teenager that they would even understand to call you like, but like really ended up changing who I was friends with when I left too. Did you feel like you didn't belong there? Yeah, I think I definitely felt like I shouldn't be there. In my head, it always just felt like a misunderstanding. No, I wasn't really going to kill myself, which I definitely, like, when I threatened it, was in that mindset. And some of these people, it was so sad. Like, some of the girls, like, weren't going home. Do you remember one night we were in lockdown and there was this one guy that just came in and he was just there for a night and he was just very kind. And it's funny because I remember him, like, it was a very, like, saving grace moment because he saw me as, like, a normal human for, like, a couple minutes in this crazy place. And that was a very specific encounter that I've always remembered because he was just like, yeah, like, you know, you'll get out of here. He's like, I'm just in here for the night and then I'm going to California or something like that. Like, I don't know. We just had a normal conversation, like normal humans. And it was like I wasn't in a psych ward for a second. (laughs) Then like I was back pretty quickly, like within a month or so. What caused the, the third go back? I think something with the same ex-boyfriend. So, like, I come back from the first inpatient program, and that ex is, like, bullying me. You know, he's telling people I'm crazy. People aren't don't want to hang out with me because they've heard I'm crazy. They don't want to sit with me at lunch. So a couple of the seniors that, like, did not care at all, like, kind of adopted me. So I kind of made friends with, like, these seniors that were really, like, sweet. They were like, I don't care. Like, I made some really off the beaten path friends that I hadn't really hung out with before because you know a lot of my normal friends didn't really want to hang out with me and I think it was just a lot to handle right like is this something that you would have shared with your your mom or your stepdad you were getting bullied or that everybody knew you were at these places and you had lost a lot of your friends I don't know if I did. I mean, I think they might have surmised that, but maybe not. Because also at this time, like, I couldn't go to class by myself. So I had to be escorted everywhere by a security guard. No. Because I had skipped school so much. Like, and because I was kind of a flight risk. So I'm like a flight risk and I'm like a little crazy now. So like after the first inpatient, I have a security guard that escorts me to all my classes. Wow. I have to like, it's just like this very... No, not at all. And like, I do remember I would have anxiety attacks. So the first time I had an anxiety attack was the first time I saw my ex-boyfriend after I had come back. So I was very, very anxious. And I saw him in the hallway. And I remember my choir teacher was so mean. I was like, I need to leave like right now. Like I'm having an anxiety attack. Like I need to leave right now. Like don't understand and she just was so not understanding about the situation or anything eventually I did was able to like leave the classroom but yeah so like I had started to have anxiety which I had never had to that I guess I had had it like I had said like the Santa Claus thing that's where this like comes back I think I had had anxiety in the past but I hadn't had an anxiety attack so it was like what's the difference between being anxious and having an attack So all of a sudden, like, you just feel, you almost feel like you're going to die. Your heart is racing. You start to get clammy. You start to, like, just be very stressed. But it really feels like you're, you're, like, going to die. Like, you don't really know what's happening. And, like, you know, it kind of started to, like, hyperventilate. And, like, it sounds like a heart attack. Yeah, it, it, you almost think you're having one. And a lot of people that do have, like, their first anxiety attack, like, do call 
911 because they think they're having a heart attack. So it's very like similar. Like it's a it's like a physical manifestation of your emotions, which is kind of crazy. And like now being a Christian, it's like, oh, like that is a spirit for sure. Like that's kind of getting control, you know, once it already has a foothold and you know, you're opening your mind, like and opening certain doors and things like that. And I drugs can open doors. It's very funny because I remember like the first I think it was the second time. So, you know, all this is going on and then I do like try to take some pills. I think it must have been a situation with my ex. Just like I was having all this anxiety. I'm getting bullied. And like I reached out to my Christian friend. I'd taken a bunch of pills and I was like, Steph, like I just want to say goodbye. Like, da da da. And she was, I mean, she like had her mom get a hold of my mom and like, you know, then I had to like tell my mom what happened and I went to the hospital. They had to like check all my vitals. It was high blood pressure medication. So like it wasn't going to do anything, thankfully. Tell me a little bit more <sighs> about this friend. I think you brought her up before. Was she the Girl Scout or was she the other girl who she, got saved in the Baptist church and was living a Christian life? She was the one in the Baptist church that was okay. like living a Christian life. So she was like really solidly still my friend. So I'm going through all of this and she is still like very much there for me. Yeah, it, it was instant messenger. So it wasn't even a phone call. It was just instant messenger. And I think it was just, yeah, like she was one of my closest friends and we hadn't really gotten in a lot of fights and she was just, yeah, like my most stable friend, I think, because I don't remember reaching out to anyone else. So when you took the pills where they were outside of your prescription, like you were taking extra pills? These were like my mom's blood pressure medication. So I just kind of went in the medicine cabinet and found whatever I could and took as many as I could of them. And this was because you were feeling all these emotions and you just wanted it to go away or were you trying to get high? No, I wasn't trying to get high. I still hadn't done drugs yet at this okay. point. So what made you think, oh crap, I took this medication. I should call my friend. I don't know. Like, and like I said, I didn't call her necessarily. I just instant messaged oh, her instant and messaged I was her. just yeah. like, I think I was just saying goodbye or I died. Yeah. And then the ambulance comes. So this is like my third time going in an ambulance to like to a psych center wow. <laughs> effectively. Well, first they like, obviously they had to do all my vitals and stuff and, and do all that. And then they brought me an inpatient and this time I had a roommate. So that was very different who was definitely like worse off than I was for sure. It, it was very interesting to have a roommate in a psych center. Cause you're like, oh, you know, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Like she was definitely like she had attempted. She, I mean, this was her seventh or eighth time in inpatient. She had like told me kind of why she she was doing it, and I never like had told anyone. And I definitely like you know I don't really live with, like I live with some regrets, obviously, but like now I'm saved and covered by the blood of Jesus, and like my sins are forgiven, which we'll get to, obviously. But like, there's not much I regret because I know that like it's covered under the blood, but that is one thing like, because she had opened up to me and confided to me like why she was trying to commit suicide so many times. And I never told anyone. And that's kind of what stood out about my second inpatient program is like that I could have helped this girl, but I wanted to keep her secret. Sometimes you yeah. like, and because Tough you love. genuinely care. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not because you you like dislike them You're not or, trying and, or break their yeah 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 it's just like they really need they need something different than than what they think they need do you remember like 
kind of having more of an attitude of like wanting to get better this time. We must be at April of 2009 at this point. You know, it's been a, a couple of years of this and like I, I really do want to get better. And so so interesting. I at that point was like, really, I was like, I want to be more holistic. I don't want to be on medication. What can you do for me? That's not medication. What can we accomplish? What, what like the shift? I don't know. Honestly, I really could not tell you at all um, what it was. Um, but I, I just, I think I had realized kind of, I was still having that identity crisis. Right. And like, I think for me, I was like, I want to know who I am, like without all this medication. Wow. And like, I want to like actually heal. Like there was something in me that like wanted to heal. Sure. Um, and so you and would so, be what age now? 14. Okay. So I would be 14. Yeah. So it was like less medication, behavioral therapy thing, and you focus on focus more on like being intentional and your breathing. And they wanted me to go to this DBT class. I was like, again, like I was a very smart kid. And so I was like, okay, but I could just go to yoga class and it's the same thing. You're talking about being mindful. You're talking about, so this is my like first kind of also exploration into like other things as far as like religions go too. Like, cause I did understand that there was some sort of meditative quality about yoga. There was some sort of, and this is like before yoga is like trendy. I must've done some sort of research to know that this existed. Sure. Cause I took yoga like every week for like, probably like a half a year or so wow. instead of doing this other kind of therapy. Cause I was like, well, it doesn't make sense for me to learn about these practices when I could actually do these practices. I was very like logical about it, which is kind of funny because I'm in a psych ward. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm like, yeah, like I think I should be putting this in practice, not just learning about it. And like, sure. I was trying to find a therapist too at the same time. A therapist is kind of like any other relationship. You really have to like find the right person, sure. kind of like marriage almost. Um, <laughs> and so I think I saw like four or five therapists before I found the one that I would see every week. Wow. And for a while I would have to go twice a week. So I'm like in high school and started to like do activities again too. So I like had gotten into cheerleading and track again and I was doing the musicals in the fall. So like I, I'm kind of starting to course correct after I'd gotten out of the high hospital for the second inpatient program, I started to do drugs for the first time because a lot of my friends that had like stuck around were like druggies. They were the people that like already didn't care about wow. peer pressure. Right. Wow. So those were the people that like didn't care about that kind of thing. Cause they're already kind of like social pariahs in a way. Sure. So your, your preppy um, crowd was the one who, ones who kind of rejected you. Um, yeah, or and didn't like, want to hang out because of the identi identity. Where's Stephanie at in this? So we're still friends. We're still really good friends. You know, we still hang out. And she's so she also like has this youth group at her at her church. So they had like a youth group on Friday nights, and I actually went like a few times because they would let like our friends' bands like play, too. So they would like let our friends bands play and like so we would just go and hang out at the church. I don't remember them doing altar calls at all, but I do remember like having this kind of association like with this church because they wanted people to like have a space to not do drugs. So okay. they wanted a place like where teens could come and like have a safe Friday night was kind of their like shtick. idea. OK, sure. After your second inpatient program, you're starting to get back. Are you still yeah. taking your psych medication? 
Yeah. So they wouldn't let me leave the hospital without taking psych meds. Sure. And um, yeah. So and I also saw like so there's a, a psychologist and a psychiatrist and a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist recommend can actually prescribe medication and a psychologist can just like talk to you. So I had to see both. So okay. I had a psychiatrist that was in Rochester and he was like very like Eastern religion. I'm sure this man was like smoking lots of weed, like <laughs> very sure. like okay with psychotropic drugs, but not like, like he just, he had that kind of vibe and I could tell that. And my 14 year old self who was trying to be natural, like that was kind of what I thought natural was. I thought it was like more of a hippie lifestyle, right? You eat vegetables. Shortly around this time, too, I became a vegetarian. So, like, I'm a vegetarian. I, like, want to be all natural. I want to figure out who I am. But I'm also, like, prepping in a sense because I'm cheerleading. I'm in athletics. I'm a straight-A student in honors, in honors classes still. So I'm, like, still in AP classes, still in honors classes. It was, like, kind of like Hannah Montana, right? Like, I'm living a double life. I'm this, like, like had it together in a sense, but then was also like smoking weed and like doing drugs <laughs> because I think it was like a way of escaping. I, I really was just trying to escape who I was and find who I was and a lot of just like questioning. But there was, like I said, like my friend, the other Stephanie, she had kind of like, she was still going to church. She was still doing Bible quizzing, but she also had gotten a boyfriend. So she's also kind of starting to like not keep up like with her you know salvation and that that's for her to work out obviously um, sure, but just I don't know where she's at now but yeah. but yeah she was kind of starting to compromise as we got into high school more and but she was still like a Christian like she still went to church she still did bible quizzing so in my head like she was kind of a compass of sorts but I wasn't about it I was still an atheist but I'm like I'm I'm having like some sort of questions like coming up and um so you know, I get to my junior year. So sophomore year, I'm kind of like, you know, just getting back into things. Some friends that were older. All my friends are kind of older at this point, even though I'm the youngest in my grade. One, because I'm in like accelerated classes. So sometimes I would just be in with like the older kids. And then two, because like they were the ones that hadn't really cared what I had gone through. Sure. So I'm friends with older people and with people who are doing drugs. <laughs> so it's like, you know, yeah. maybe recipe. not the best. Yeah, it's a recipe for like, but I also like didn't want to date anyone at my school. Like I kind of had a strict rule after, you know, after just like so much trouble and drama and bullying, like I didn't want to date anyone that I went to high school with. Um, So it was around this time that I met, it was like the end of my sophomore year going to my junior year that I met, you know, my next boyfriend. And he was actually very, very sweet. He was he's a guy so he was into sex but he wasn't like that like he really just wanted to be around me for me and so I like kind of was in this like really good relationship we got along really well and he wasn't in my school so I really liked that I'm doing my thing but he also smokes weed so like we would smoke weed together also he went to church so he also went to a different Baptist church and I remember like not fully discounting it at this point. I still like wasn't really about it, but I I I wasn't so opposed to it as I was before. But I kind of was just kind of searching because I do remember at this time too, like getting books out on Buddhism and Hinduism because I did want to find out like what I believed. Sure. So I'm shifting from 
I'm shifting from this idea of kind of like atheism to more of like an agnostic. Like there, there might be something out there. But what does he have but to like, do with me? Yeah, but what? Yeah, like, but what? How does it have to do with me? And for a while, I liked a lot of things about Buddhism because it was very much like center yourself before you like center your relationships with other people. It was kind of like self-serving. I remember telling my mom about it and she's like, well, that sounds like a very selfish religion. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to offend any Buddhists out there. I'm really yeah. sorry. But um, I just like, you know, that's that's what it was. And and but I, I was definitely searching and, and but I was still trying to escape, you know, like I, I didn't really see my dad much still. So like my dad is still dating this woman. He's drinking again and not really like around as much. My mom is married and I have two little sisters. Like I was so busy with extracurricular activities. Like I would go from like a track or a dance practice to, or from a school athletics practice to dance class to home. So like there were some nights where I wouldn't come home from school until like seven or eight o'clock at night because I was just in activities, like keeping myself busy, but also somehow finding the time to do drugs. I don't, (laughs) I don't even know. I was a busy lady, I guess. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So I have this boyfriend and things are going really well. And so like for my, we kind of just dated through my junior year. It wasn't very eventful. My junior year wasn't, I've had a job since I was 14 too. So like I was working this whole time and I remember turning 16 and I was able to like graduate from working as a hostess on the weekends to like going to Tim Hortons, which is like a coffee place. And I was able to like work at this coffee place because I could be like on the books I yeah. could work more hours because I was 16. So, sure. like, I get this job and, you know, I have this boyfriend and things are going well. And then the summer comes and I was able to go to Europe. So, my mom had let me, like, go on this trip to Europe. And it was, like, my mom didn't go. It was, like, through the school. But there was, oh, my gosh, actually, sorry. Before Europe, I had actually cheated on my boyfriend. We, again, like, he was a really nice guy, and we had a pretty good relationship, but I think I was just kind of bored, and we had just, like, his parents were, like, super Christian, and, you know, like, I remember one time we, like, got in a fight or something, and his mom's like, let me pray for you guys, and I was like, absolutely not, no, <laughs> like, what do you mean pray for us, no, so, like, I just, I think I was over the relationship, and I was young, and I didn't know how to handle that, and so I'd gone to my cousin's, my cousin's graduation, We go to this party where we're all staying in a cabin together and we all like we're playing drinking games, whatever. I like went and like I hooked up with this guy, which was like really messed up of me because like I said, I had this like really loving, caring boyfriend that like was graduating early for me. Also, this was like a a very committed relationship and it was the first time I was ever hung over. So that like happened. So I cheated on him, but didn't tell him. So All that to say, you, like, I had cheated on this guy. When you, how did you feel after you cheated? Did you have guilt about that? It's really bad. Like, I remember kind of being like, oh, well, I guess I won't tell him. Like, wow. But, like, you know, I'll just, like, make that, like, I'll forget it ever happened. Like, I was drunk. This guy was drunk. I'll just forget it ever happened. I'm not going to see this guy ever again. So it's not like anyone will find out, which is like, I hate to, like, say that I was that person because. But yeah, so then like I went to Europe that summer too. And so that was like a few weeks later I went to Europe. And so it was like a really cool trip. Like we went to seven different countries, but I definitely was partying too. Like while we were there, like there was this guy I was kind of into on the trip and, but I still had my boyfriend like back home. And so 
I got home from that trip and was like, okay, I didn't miss this guy. I've already cheated on him. Like, I have to break up with him. We're going into senior year. Again, this guy has gotten everything together so he can graduate early because we were going to graduate together and go to New York City. My life plan was like to go to New York City. I wanted to model and go to fashion school. And he was going to, he wanted to be a photographer. So we were going to go to New York City because that made a lot of sense for like that kind of dream. And he was graduating early so that we could graduate together and move to New York oh when I graduated goodness. in 2011. So yeah. You had so, like, his heart. Yeah, for sure. So we end up breaking up. I end up breaking up with him. He's very upset. His mom is very upset. She like calls me. I was like a, a brat. You? Oh, dear. Yes. Yeah. I like I just was a brat, but I had gotten my license too. So I got back from Europe. I got my license. I had a car and it was like a good car. It was like a Ford Taurus. It was like a boat. It was an absolute boat. I'm going to my senior year single. Oh, no, I didn't go to my senior year single because I found another boy. Basically, I'd gone, I was going to shows. So I was like really into, at this point, still doing weed. I'm really into rock music from like my freshman year on. I was really into like the emo scene music. So we're talking like Fall Out Boy, Cobra Starship, Panic at the Disco. That was my identity. And like, so I think too, like that kind of played into like the depression and the, the drugs and things like that. You're listening to music where people are like talking about depression and talking about being so obsessed with their significant other and like these unhealthy relationships. And like, that was like what I was inundating myself with. And I was also watching that kind of stuff too. Right. I'm watching, I don't know if you've ever heard of the show skins, but it's like a UK television show that follows like the teenagers that are like doing drugs, doing all the things I'm doing. So I was really emulating what I was seeing but still trying to get 90s and everything because if not, I'd be grounded. So it's like, oh, again, this like duality of yeah. like, yep. so I met another boy in the summer. He went to like a different school though. So he like went to Fairport, which is like a suburb, 30 minutes. It's actually, it's crazy because it was actually right by our old church building. Oh wow. So like I had driven because I had my license. So I had driven to this kid's house, which is literally I kid you not, around the corner from the church building. Wow. So driven there like a bunch. And this is, you know, I'm 16 still, you know, and I date him. We break up, you know, whatever. Hooking up with everybody I'm dating. So like, as the kids say, getting a body count. I think I like that's, you know, where you think you find your worth and you want to feel love. And obviously, like, there's unresolved issues. I don't have a good relationship with my dad and I'm doing drugs. so I don't really care. And again, when I say doing drugs, like I'm sure. still just smoking weed, but I'm on antipsychotics too. So I'm smoking weed and like taking Isn't antidepressants. That a crazy mixture. <laughs> yeah. And I would later find out because my senior year is kind of when I got into harder drugs that I would have a lot of different reactions than other people to drugs. And it was because I was, I kid you not, I would be at parties or I, not parties, but I'd be at people's houses or I was doing hard drugs and I would still be like, well, I have to take my antidepressant. Oh my so God. I would like still take it and like then have these like weird reactions to drugs where people are like, oh, I've never seen someone have that reaction. Like it is a miracle. I did not die. Wow. Like taking all these drugs, whatever. And so then I like had started to date a guy that was in my school, which I like had made a rule, like mm-hmm. I said, for myself that I would never do that. But brother's kind of like dealing drugs and like growing mushrooms and this is when I kind of started to like get into harder drugs because I like went and I hung out with them and 
we were smoking weed and then they like offered me a line of something and I had never like snorted any drugs or anything like that but I just kind of was you know again like I I didn't believe in God I still was kind of like searching but was was still kind of just believing like we only live one life not really caring I wasn't suicidal but I didn't really care if I died if that makes sense because also I had decided that I was gonna go to school in Rochester which was like a big switch I actually only applied to one school early decision and by this point I had already gotten in so like I'm already in college you know my senior year I took really easy classes and I just kind of worked and so like I was able to kind of live this like lackadaisical lifestyle where I was like able to kind of do drugs and skate by getting like hundreds because I was taking easy classes and I'd already gotten into college so all the pressure is kind of off right yeah so I I went and I like did a line with them of I think it was like ketamine it's like horse tranquilizer or cat tranquilizer or something I don't know I don't even know what it is <laughs> but I was like yeah I'll, I'll do a line of this and then we also like took shrooms later that night I did probably three different drugs that night again like this is like that juxtaposition like I was doing these drugs this night and then the next day I had to be like on a panel for anti-bullying so like I was like helping running like a peace committee where like I was doing a full like anti-bullying campaign at my school running this full committee I had gotten like approval to like do a full day where like we all like we had a half day off where all we did was bonding activities and get to know you activities because I had this whole theory about like if you know people then you won't bully them like if you actually know who they are and like know what they're going through I was just like doing the most but also doing hard drugs and sleeping with my boyfriend but yeah I don't remember that panel at all I was I think I was getting an award and I was so I was still so messed up that next day don't remember being there I don't really remember like driving home Wow. I was still like pretty messed up this guy broke up with me on my birthday <laughs> which was like devastating so I was turning 17 again just still in that high achieving state but then a bunch of my friends we were going to prom and like we all wanted to do ecstasy for prom we thought it would be like this really great idea and so before this though I got in a car accident So I had to go to the chiropractor like twice a week. So what I would do is I would take my mom's car. I would leave school. I'd go to the chiropractor. I'd go to my friend's house, smoke a bowl with him, and then go back to Wegmans or Taco Bell. And Wegmans is a grocery store. So I'd like get a bunch of food, go back to art class, and just kind of like snack, be high, and like do art, and then like go to play practice. Being a hippie, like not dressing modestly, not wearing shoes either. Like I would just show up to high school and like not wear shoes. Like, <laughs> like I was still a vegetarian too. So like just very much hippie, but was still like, I was going to school. I was going to go to college to be a psychologist and stuff. So like, I still had ambitions because I wanted to help kids. Like sure. I had been, sure. I wanted to kind of help in some sort of way. And that's the anti-bullying panel and all that too. Yeah. Yeah. It was me like trying to help me like a younger me or whatever so but in the midst of all this I actually meet my husband so he was kind of friends with my best friend's older sister and so I had met him because he was hanging out with my um friend's older sister and she was my best friend so we would run into each other a lot me and the older sister we were actually really good friends too but she had just graduated uh the year before so like I I had met him and I remember being kind of like struck by him 
the first time I met him, it was November. And I was like, wow, he is very cute. And I didn't really know much about him, you know, because she had met him at college. So they like, you know, had classes together and stuff. And so, you know, I, I met him and I was like, and he had told me he liked my piercing. So at this time, too, I have like a lip ring that I'd gotten in secret when I was 16. So, yeah, so I met my like my now husband but like he was not that at all like you know and I met him and I thought he was like you know I was kind of like he was just really cute and I did kind of find out he was Christian through the grapevine right because I was talking to Lindsay and she's yeah he doesn't drink you know I, I she was kind of like I remember her being like oh like yeah like we're like friends but I don't know you know I think she was considering dating him but she was like he doesn't drink he doesn't party like he's just like you know he's a Christian it was a topic of discussion I knew about him and I knew he was a Christian. And um, so I had met him and I knew about him, but like he was like friends with my, you know, my best friend's older sister. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to try to pursue anything like, even though I thought he was really, really cute. So I tried ecstasy a little bit. And then like in the midst of it, I did meet, I ran into Logan at, we have this big festival called the Lilac Festival. Um, and so I ran into him at the Lilac Festival and I was like, Logan. And he was like, so excited to see me. And he gave me a hug and I was like, wow, like, this is like interesting. And I found out that like him and Lindsay weren't, didn't end up dating or anything like that. So I was like, oh, like, you know, I, I like, it kind of stuck with me that I had like run into him and I was like, huh. You know, and when I did sit down the first time I met him, I was like, I want to marry him. Like, I just was so enamored by him. Like, so just like the first time the first time you sat down with him the first time I met him like period when you first met him you wanted to marry him I yeah and I and then I was like that is an absolute crazy thought you will not do that like you nut job oh my gosh that was the second thought I had that's actually so cute (laughs) though that's crazy yeah (laughs) so yeah so then in the midst of all this I'm still partying but I also have an interest in Logan now and so like I, I you know I went to my prom I I knew Logan because we had kind of messaged back and forth so I found him on Facebook and like we Facebook messaged back and forth and I was like very forward like I was very flirtatious very like you know because I was like I'm interested in this guy so I was like very flirtatious he's again in church I'm have nothing to do with church but so I'm like kind of flirtatious back and forth with him but you know I did ecstasy at my prom and was so out of my mind like I barely remember my prom the only thing I remember is that I cried to a Nickelback song, which is the most embarrassing thing I think I could have done. <laughs> um, but like, hey, I was just I so like messed Nickelback. up. I like Nickelback. Okay, you can cry. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can have an altar call at the end. Um, <laughs> can repent of that. Um, so. But yeah, so like I was like just still doing really hard drugs. But then I kind of started talking to Logan and I was kind of like, I knew he was a Christian. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to talk to this guy at all, like if he's going to have any interest in me, I need to stop doing hard drugs. I kid you not. That was my thought. I thought he'll he'll forgive drinking. I'm sure like (sighs) he's a Christian, but like drinking is fine. But I was like, he will not be interested in me if I'm doing hard drugs. So I kind of stopped doing them because we had kind of started like texting back and forth. We're kind of texting back and forth. And then I was in the hospital too. So at this time I was, I started having these pains like in my uterus where like I all of a sudden would be in like a level 15 pain. 
And I've had kids now, and it was still, like, it was, like, a labor pain. Very, very awful. Out of nowhere, I would just get these pains. And so I kept going to the hospital, like, hospital on and off. You know, it started in that spring. And I didn't really know what it was, and the doctors couldn't figure it out. But so I was kind of, like, dealing with that. And also at this point, too, my grandmother, the one who had kind of, like, helped, you know, with me and, and we had lived with them she had skin cancer. So we're kind of, I'm going through that as well. Like I, I'm kind of, you know, dealing with her, like going through some major surgeries there, you know, she had to go through chemo and radiation. So it just like, wasn't very good for a little bit. And then my grandma, my other grandmother, my dad's mom had started to, um, she was diagnosed with esophageal cancer too. So yeah, so it it was just a lot. So they're both kind of, both of my grandmothers are sick. But anyway, so just like these major health issues. So, um, but yeah, like we had started talking, so I stopped, but then I like had a, my parents were going away and it was my senior year summer. And so I was going to throw a rager. I, I thought I was going to throw a rager. Nobody showed up. There was oh, two of us. There was three of us. And I invited Logan to come to this party at my parents' house because clearly he will be okay with that. So like he comes to this party and like, I think, I don't know what he thought because it's me and my two girlfriends and uh, it was a luau. I made it themed. So I was dressed like like a hula girl. <laughs> <laughs> Coconut bra. I like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, just like so, like, <laughs> like just ridiculous. So he like kind of left and, and we kind of still just texted and he came over to my house like when my parents were home. Um, <laughs> and like we watched a, a movie and he kind of just kind of just kept talking. And there was a point where we were like kind of dating, not really dating yet, but like we were talking and he was taking me out and we were going out and he would always bring me home really late. And, um, my mom did not like that, but like we weren't really doing anything right. Like he's a Christian and, and you know, we weren't drinking. Like I had done all these like really hard drugs and now I'm hanging out with this Christian boy going to get ice cream and coming home late. And she's like, I can't believe you're coming home late. And in my head, I'm like, I am doing the least amount that I have ever done. What do you mean? Like, I can't hang out late. So we got in a huge argument one night and I actually like moved to my dad's for like a week before I started college. Like I packed up all of my stuff and was like, I'm going to live with my dad until I go to college. Wow. Um, and I only made it like a week, but I like packed everything up because I didn't have a car anymore either because I had wrecked it in that car accident, but I had like gone And then my aunt gave me a car. I was like really blessed in the car department because I just kept getting these free cars. But before I went to college, my aunt gave me her car. You know, I come back and Logan and I are still like dating at this point, but in um, August. So so tell me about that a little bit. Were you, Yeah. was it like it just happened naturally or was there ever an official moment? There was an official moment where he's like, I want to take you on like an official date. I want to have you meet my mom and I want you to like be my girlfriend. And so I met Claire, my mother-in-law, and I was like really nervous actually. And like this poor, poor Claire, first of all, I'm coming up and I'm wearing no makeup, which to Claire is a cardinal sin already. She's like a makeup girl. So she's like, what is this girl doing? But also (laughs) I am like, I am braless in a sundress that is like be mid-thigh. Like maybe mid thigh. So like I am in a short sundress, no bra. And Logan thought it was a good idea that that's that's when he should take you to meet his mom. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he takes me to meet his mom, and then we went out to, like, an official date. And so that was, like, that was July 11th of 2011. And so, yeah, yeah, like, poor Claire. Like, every church kid mom is just, please just marry a nice girl and have her be (laughs) saved. And he comes pulling up with me, and I am, like, very much not, like, just very much not saved. So, you know, we, we made it official, and it's my summer before my senior year. I'm still working at Tim Hortons. But like other than my random occasional like five hour shifts, I'm just kind of hanging out. And so I asked him, I was like, why can't you hang out with me on Wednesdays and Sundays? What is going on that you're like not free on Wednesday night and Sundays, all day Sundays? And he's like, well, I go to church. And I was like, oh, can I come with you? (laughs) Wow. And, you know, like I still is like kind of an atheist at this point. So I don't even know. Like I just wanted to spend time with him, really. Like it wasn't that I had this big Desire. urge to go to church, sure. but like I I just wanted to hang out and be around him. You know, it's kind of like when Pastor Jesse says people will love you before they love your Jesus, but not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Pastor Jesse would be very mad to hear the quote in that context. <laughs> But that's just bad doctrine. This is also like just a word of warning for anybody listening. This is not a normal situation. Also, it does not normally work like this at all. This is a freak thing because I have said he's like my now husband, but like this is not normally how it ends. (laughs) I will like give that word of warning. But so anyways, I go to church for the first time and I had really written off pretty much everything about the Christian faith. Except for there was one thing I did really like, and that was the idea of the mustard seed. I thought that the mustard seed was the coolest thing. I thought it was so neat that you could have something so small and it would grow to be so big. I was like, Mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So the first time I ever stepped foot in a Potter's House church, that was what the sermon was on, was on having a mustard seed of faith. And so I was kind of like, wow, like it it really caught me off guard. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, but I didn't pray. No, no, I couldn't make this easy for anybody. So I, <laughs> but I did start coming faithfully to church for a full month, a full month. So I go, I must have started going in July, but then got saved in August because I do remember getting saved before I went to college because I was going to, um, I was going to NAS, which is a school. And actually it was crazy because I lived about 30 minutes from church and I still made the drive by myself. Like wow. I would drive to church myself without being saved, which is kind of wild. Wow. But I was moving to school that was like, it was maybe like uh, five minutes down the road from church. So that oh, was like okay. a, a blessing because then I, I get saved. And, you know, I really think that God spared me from a lot, like just, you know, going to college and now being saved. And so like, no, Jesus. So let's go into that yeah. a little bit. So you, yeah. you jumped to the mustard seed service. Yeah. And yeah, um, that was Wednesday and- or Sunday. It was a Wednesday night and Sarah Stoll, actually, who you've had on and who I know you're very good friends with, Sarah Stoll actually like gave me her testimony. Like she came up during the altar call because I hadn't prayed and like gave me her testimony and asked me what I thought. And I was like, I don't know. And also in my head, I'm like, what does this lady know about anything? Like, I'm like, she's like, I was a church kid. And like, obviously now I've known Sarah and like, she knows a lot about a lot. But, (laughs) but at this point I was like, this lady grew up in church and like, she doesn't know what I've gone through at all. Like she doesn't understand. And I listened to her and was polite and was so mad that Logan like wasn't saving me from this, this 
interaction too because he's sitting right next to me and he is just letting her talk to me and I was just well this is kind of weird also I had looked up like Pentecostal churches like before and I didn't really know what I was in for I had never been to a church like this yeah so I started going to church and did you and Logan talk about it at all did you like really like he was like what do you from that girl I think I did and he's like oh you know I just I he must have brushed it off somehow and I was like okay whatever then, was he surprised you wanted to come on Sunday? No, because I just kept coming. Like, I remember just, like, keeping coming. Wow. Um, like, every service. And I think, it, like I said, I just wanted to hang out with him. Like, I just wanted mm-hmm. to be around him. And I was like, well, this is where this guy is. And I do remember, too, like, during the first altar call, I remember looking at the ground and having this, like, kind of trippy moment of, like, where I knew something should be happening. Like it was, it's very interesting. Like I just remember it being like this kind of out of body experience where I didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew something should be happening, but I didn't pray right then. Sure. So I waited about a month to pray for salvation. Tell me about when you decided to. So we had pastor Corey Mammon at the time and Casey Mammon came to preach for us And it was like when Casey Mammon came and I don't know what it was about his sermon. I don't even remember the sermon, but I do remember finally like raising my hand to, to, to pray for salvation. And I remember everybody making a big deal about it. Like, I remember like specifically Dee in our church, she's this like wonderful lady, but she was like, you just made the best decision you could ever make in your life. Yeah, sure. I didn't fully understand. And like I said, like I was still taking my antidepressants at this point too. But I do remember starting to read my Bible at that point. I was like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. And I was like, well, you start at the beginning. So I started in Genesis. But it's crazy because as I was reading Genesis, I felt really convicted. It was kind of the first time I felt like a conviction about, and I felt it about being a vegetarian. You know, because one of the first things that the Bible says in Genesis is God made the animals for the humans and to be under them. And so I was kind of like, does that mean I shouldn't be a vegetarian? And so I'll never forget, like, the week after I got saved, the next Wednesday service, I was like, Logan, can you take me to eat meat? Like, I want to eat meat again. What a trip. Yeah. And I remember eating Slim Jims and chicken wings. (laughs) (laughs) Was it glorious? Yeah, it was great. I really, chicken wings are like my favorite food now too. So maybe that's something to do with that. But yeah, so like, I started just changing things. And then like in college, like I, I, I had made the decision I wasn't going to drink. So I didn't really drink at all in college. And I like was making stands and like, I did go to the club once, but like, it's cause everybody was doing it like on my floor, but like, I didn't drink and like, I never really had a desire so to go me, back again. Tell me a little bit about you not drinking. Was that just something you felt convicted about now? Like the next time you were going to go drink? I, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't really have a desire after after I met Logan, it kind of subsided. And I think, too, like, I just wasn't trying to escape as much. Like, I was kind of sure. starting to feel, like, some joy, you know? <laughs> like, sure. And starting to not feel like I needed to escape. And I, I there was something in me that was just kind of like, yeah, this is wrong. Like, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. And I remember slowly over time, like, starting to dress a little bit more modestly. I think that took a little longer than probably other people had hoped but <laughs> I did get there eventually thankfully. tell me tell me about that I'm really interested in this part because yeah because salvation is a moment of time yeah like the bible says 
confess with your mouth, believe in your heart and you will be saved. And then it's like revelation and the life change and all that starts to play out. And I, it really is a miracle because especially when it's just authentic. So yeah. do you remember that? Was it just like one day you kind of felt uncomfortable with how you were dressed or what, what happened? Um, you know, it took a little bit. I, I did. Um, so there, Matt and Sarah Stowell were having like prayer meetings too at their house. Mm-hmm. So I was going like once a week to prayer too, like on top of going to church um, while I was like in school. I was taking like 18 credits a semester or something crazy too. Yeah. So like, but I, but I wanted to be involved. And I do remember like feeling that like drawn. And, and I think too, like when you're around godly people and you're seeing that, you're kind of like, oh, like, you, you kind of like pay attention, right? Like you're yeah. like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't wear this or that. So it was kind of like watching that. And then too, like, so I remember we would, we would sing at prayer meeting and Matt was like, oh, have you ever thought of singing on platform? And I was like, no. And so I think that was kind of part of it too, is like, I, I wanted to sing on the platform. So I knew I had to wear like certain clothing and sure. things like that. I had a falling out with someone in church and it was kind of just messy because <laughs> <Sure. laughs> we go to church with people and that's the hard part. And I think, you know, that's what we forget. And I, you know, obviously like there's something to living out the Christian lifestyle, but we do go to church with people. And so things are going to happen. There's going to be conflict and, and, um, you got to work it out. But unfortunately we were not working it out. And I was like, I don't need all this mess in my life. And Logan and I had broken up for a time, which I was really grateful for because we broke up it was probably for like almost, it was like six months or so, six or seven months. I don't even really know what it was. I I was really grateful because I realized that this Jesus thing, this church thing, that it was mine. And it wasn't, wow. I wasn't just going because of him. And later on in our marriage, like I was so, so grateful for that because that's very important that you understand like your salvation is yours. Yeah. So that was like going on. So I kind of was at a point where I was like, I don't need all this mess in my life. Like I'm not with this guy anymore. Like I'm just going to leave this church. And so I kind of had that mentality and I went to a Cape Cod conference. Now, this is not how you should ever go to a conference. I think half of this is a word of warning to never do what I did. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like don't missionary day. Don't go to a conference with no money. I had no money. Logan and I drove down together. We must have been back together and I think almost getting engaged too because this was like right before our engagement. It was in like 2015. So it was like right before our engagement. So we must have been back together. But I don't think I told him I was like going to leave church. Like I think I was just having those mind battles. Yeah, I'm having these mind battles of like I am leaving. And so I go to this conference and I'm back actually on anti-anxiety meds. So like I had actually gotten off my antidepressants. Like I had really been delivered of my mental illnesses and like God had really helped me a lot. When did you get off of these antidepressant drugs and and how did so, that play out and all of that? For some reason, like I had kind of felt like God got dealing with me about it. Like he had kind of like dealt with me like you don't need this. Something that kind of made me be like, oh, yeah, like I, I don't need this. Like this isn't what God would have for me. But um, I kind of God had really dealt with me and I was like, OK, I got to I got to get off these these antidepressants. And, and did so you I did, go and I cold, cold turkey, or was this a process? Did you use a doctor? No, no, you just I stopped. just like cold turkey. I stopped seeing my therapist, and I cold turkey got off antidepressants. Holy cow! Um, and you had been on them since you were thirteen. Yeah, yeah. So it was like really crazy, and um, 
yeah, so I'd gotten off of them, but then like at some point I kind of had like a crisis of faith in, in something and I I was kind of trying to deal with a lot on my own and I, I was kind of, you know, I'd had this like disagreement with a roommate and I was misplacing like my trust in God because I was hurt by people in church and um, I'd just gotten some bad advice too and, and it was just like not a good time and so I kind of... I conflated like what was going on with church people to like who God is, which is not a good thing to do. And so I think like I was just kind of feeling lost. So I was, I just was like, I was like, you know, I'm kind of feeling anxious. I'm just going to get on anti-anxiety medication again. And so I do that. You know, I get on these anti-anxiety meds. So I'm on, I'm on, you know, psych medications again. I'm, I'm seeing my therapist again, which, you know, it's fine. But like I wasn't living delivered because I had yeah, been delivered sure. and I wasn't living delivered. Like for me personally, like God had delivered me of that and I needed to like walk in that freedom and I wasn't. Sure. And that caused a lot of other issues too. I was kind of like drinking again, but like secretly it was like I was still going to church like three times a week. And I think I didn't realize at that time that you can backslide and be in church. Wow. Like, yeah, like so I was kind of like, well, justifying I'm... like you're okay because you were still going to church. Yeah. I'm like, I'm still going to church. Like, yeah, I'm drinking every once in a while with some friends, but like, I'm still going to church. So like, I'm fine. I like, wasn't really telling Logan either. Like, it was like, I would just go out with my friends sometimes. I think he knew though. I don't know. It was just very weird. And so I was battling with that and drinking every once in a while, drinking underage though, too, because I was 20, (laughs) just like not in a good place at all. Um, But I go to this conference and I... It's crazy, too, because in this time, I had, like, witnessed to my sister-in-law, who was not my sister-in-law at the time. I just had met her at a singing competition, and I had witnessed to her, and she had just started coming to church, too. So I'm, like, not living right, but still have this girl, like, coming to church regularly and, like, got saved. So it was kind of like God really... God really uses us despite ourselves. Let me tell you, it's a lot easier, though, when he just gets to use us, not uses us despite (laughs) ourselves. But yeah, also at this point too, like I had um, all those medical issues I was having, like with the pain that was coming back. So the pain had gotten really bad and I was going to these prayer meetings too, like at Matt and Sarah's. And one time it happened so bad when I was at Matt and Sarah's that Logan had to drive me to the hospital himself. And I like, they had to give me like low dose morphine. Like that's how bad this pain was getting. And you didn't know what it was. Didn't know what it was. And so my freshman year of college, I um, had to have a surgery for them to check what it was. And it was endometriosis. If you don't know what that is, it's um, it's a disease where your uterine lining grows all the way around your uterus. Oh my um, God. And it grows where it shouldn't. And I also had a lot of cysts in my ovaries. Oh my and that's God. what the pain was, was cysts bursting. And she had said, she's like, yeah, you probably had like 10 of them in there. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah just like little ones that were like bursting all the time. And so I was kind of just like, oh my gosh. And the diagnosis was you might not ever have kids. Wow. Yeah. So that was also why I was on birth control because it kind of helped too, like with that pain. And, um, and it was, you know, it was very intense. Like I said, they were giving me like low dose morphine because it was just like the most painful thing I've ever, wow. like akin to childbirth, like very, very painful. So, yeah, so I have this diagnosis and I I do remember, sorry, like I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I do remember being very scared about that diagnosis. I was in church and I remember praying at an altar call one day and God 
gave me an image of a sonogram and I knew it was mine. So I knew even though I had this diagnosis, God had given me this promise that I would have a child, which is like crazy. So I have this like promise of God that I'm going to have it, even though I have this diagnosis that I'm like, doctors are like, you're never, you're never having a kid. I'm kind of like, okay, like we'll see what God does. (laughs) Um, And my mother-in-law was not you know she wasn't my mother-in-law yet she's like well what was the last name on it what was this what was this she like asked me all these questions and I was like I don't know I just oh, know I'm gonna sonogram? have a baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's like trying to it's get all you're this not information to Logan me. yet yeah no oh, we weren't my married gosh, or engaged funny. or anything but yeah so like you know that's that's all kind of you know God is doing miraculous things he's speaking to me like I'm hearing wow, the voice of God yeah, yeah but I still was kind of doubting like I said I, I conflated the problems I was having in church to like who God is. And so I'm at this like path where I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave. You know, God yeah. is real. I do believe God is real, but maybe I can, I can do this somewhere else. And so I go to this Cape conference with no money, no plan of where to stay. Oh my like, gosh. This is like, this is your hippie, hippie girl coming out. Yeah. The worst way to go to a conference. And so I meet this girl, my friend Jade, um, who's in Florida, now she was she was in Cape Cod at the time, and um, like I didn't really even have friends in Cape at this point, uh, or on Cape. Sorry, they they say on Cape. So I I didn't really have friends there, but someone had told me maybe from my church that this girl Jade had a house and maybe she had a place where I could stay. So I go up to Jade. I go to night service. Logan and I skirt in like just for like I think it's like Wednesday night service or something like Did that. Did he have somewhere to go? Yeah, he was, like, staying with his dad in a hotel room. Okay. Like, he was, like, he had a plan, and I was just, like, I don't have a plan, but I'll figure it out when I get there. I go to this service, and then after service, I go up to, I was, like, does anyone know where Jade is, this girl Jade? And they're, like, yeah, Jade's over there. And so I go, and I say, hi, Jade, I'm Stephanie. I don't have a place to stay, and someone said that I might be able to stay with you. And she goes, without even missing a beat, of course you can stay with me. You can stay on the couch in my bedroom. Oh, and she was just like excited to have a friend. Now she's like very young at this point too. I think she's like 18 or something. Like, I mean, I was pretty young too. I'm like 20. And so, all right, I'm going to stay with this, this crazy girl who's like willing to take me. So that night we, like she had had a, she was having a bunch of people over to do like music and stuff. So Logan went over cause you know, he wanted to do music and, and our friend Ben was there and her cousin Cam McLaughlin, who's actually Evangelist McLaughlin's son, um, was there and just like all these people. So we're like having a kind of a fellowship. They're doing music, you know, and then Jade and I are just kind of talking throughout the night. And then like we end up staying up almost all night sitting and talking on her couch. Just us. Everybody else had left. Wow. She had roommates, but they were in bed and we were talking. And when I tell you God used this girl because she was young, but she was like giving me all this like wisdom. Wow. And I was like, wow, I really need to stay in church. And she tells me like to this day, she doesn't remember what she said at all. She doesn't really like, she just remembers that I was there, but she doesn't remember it being like this life altering conversation. Sure. For That's me, amazing. it was, I was like, okay, I'm staying in church. And I flushed my pills down the toilet like the next morning. Oh my God. I was like, no, I'm not going to be dependent on these. I'm going back to church. And so you know, I did that. I still kind of like, so I, I come back to, from conference, like, okay, I am going to like serve God in this church. I still was kind of struggling with drinking though. And I would for a little bit, but around this time is when pastor Jesse and Beth came as well. They come and like, we had just gotten engaged by the time they came. 
We actually ended up getting married. We had a song service. We both did testimonies. We had our friend that was like a Christian marry us. We didn't have alcohol, like things like that. Like, and just like for context too, like Logan's like playing shows at bars. He's got really long hair at this point, very long hair. And I like, we got married and, and whatever. He wasn't like in ministry. He was still going to church. He's still around, but like, he's very, very talented musically. My husband is so talented. And, yes. but he was just, he was doing his own thing with his music. And I, I was like, okay with it at this point. Like, I was, yeah, that's what you do. Like, that's fine. Like, you want to be a musician, whatever. Then we got married and, you know, it kind of caused some tension because I was working the night shift. So I, well, the first week of our marriage, I got fired from my job, like my previous job. Oh, no. So, like, I get home from our honeymoon and I have to call my new husband and say, I don't have a job. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I ended up picking up, like, two, like, random jobs. I was, like, serving. I was serving as a waitress. And then I was, like, doing and I was working at a print shop with him. So, like, that's also going to put a strain on your marriage. We're working together. <laughs> I'm working crazy hours. We're newlyweds. Yes. And it just, like, was not good. I, I wasn't able to keep up our home at all because I am, like, working, like, Dead nonstop. Tired. And then we would get in fights and, like, I would deal with it because I, like, I mean, I hadn't seen a healthy marriage. Like, my, my mom and my stepdad were pretty healthy, but, like, I also was, like, rebelling against my stepdad. We didn't have the relationship we do now because, you know, I was a rebellious teenager and, like, I didn't understand what he was trying to do. And, and he was a hunter, too, so the vegetarian thing, like, we really got into arguments about it because he was a hunter <laughs> so like but like they have a good marriage like my mom and my stepdad but like I don't really know how to do marriage sure. a Christian marriage where you work things out my knowledge is like you know you get in a fight you, you do whatever you need to do like so I would go and drink like we would get in really bad fights and then I would like go drink and like that was not the way to handle anything but like you know it just it was really tough it was it was just there was a lot of strain I did end up getting another job like a very good job but um, I worked nights, so I was missing Wednesday services now because I'm working night shift. So I'm just going to Sunday Sunday services. You know, there's outreaches and stuff, and I'm working late, so I'm not really going to outreach as much at so all. Kind of disconnected. No, yeah, we're like just we were both kind of disconnected. I would kind of be half involved. He was half involved, but like we weren't in ministry anymore. Like I'd stepped down from platform, so I wasn't singing on song service, and I was drinking to like cope with things. And then there was a point where I was, I realized like my heart wasn't right. I don't know if it was a specific sermon. Pastor Jesse and Beth had been there for probably about a year, year and a half. And I was like, I need to like pray for salvation again. I really, I don't know if I would make heaven my home. And so I prayed for salvation again. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this right this time. So I, we, like, we were just kind of, we were there. You know, sure. we were warm bodies. We were on the gold sheet, but like we were not <laughs> invested. Um, you know, I was like, I need to, I need to do this right. So I prayed for salvation. And again, with Beth, I remember going up to the altar and I said, Beth, can you pray with me? And she was like, yeah, what can I pray for you for? I said, for salvation. And <laughs> like, it was just like this moment. And it was wow. also like the first time I really let Beth in. I hadn't really had a a relationship, like a close relationship with my last pastor's wife. So I also didn't know what that should look like. So it was like, you know, I kind of was able to like let Beth in. She really is. She's amazing. And, you know, she's just, she was so great. And she worked with me exactly where I was at. You know, she, she Mm -hmm. did exactly what a pastor's wife should. 
she saw someone who was broken and she just worked with me where I was at and prayed for me. And so I started, I started having to make some stands because, you know, we were living like a carnal Christian life. We didn't have any standards we had to live to. We just had to be at church. You know, I was slowly making stands. We had a girl stay with us from California. She came and our our friend had asked if she could stay with us. That was in, in the California church. And we were like, yeah, sure. So she stayed with us and she was telling me all about teaching Sunday school. I was like, I feel like I really should teach Sunday school. But in my head, I was like, well, I have to go to Sunday school to teach Sunday school. (laughs) Started going to Sunday school regularly. And after I'd gone for probably like six or seven months, I told our Sunday school leader, I was like, hey, like I I'm interested in teaching if you need a teacher. And she was like, yes, I will take you immediately. I need someone right now. So I was like, you know, I just I started to slowly get into ministry again. You know, I was making some hard stands. We'd have arguments because they'd have to take two cars because I would go early. And, and you know, Logan, like I said, he was still going to church, but he was still kind of doing his own thing at the same time. In like 2018, I was going to the, the January Bible conference, but I was going with girlfriends. Logan's like, I have no interest in going to Prescott conference. You can go like I'm not going to stop you, but like <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an interest in going. So I went by myself married, but I went by myself with girlfriends to the January conference. And it was it was kind of just like I was really done. I, I just felt like, you know, we were fighting. We didn't know how to fight. We didn't know. We just weren't doing marriage the right way. <laughs> you know, I think we forgot that we were on the same team. I especially, you know, I think we just both forgot that, that we were on the same team. And, you know, he was still like kind of unsurrendered in this area of music. Right. So that was kind of messy, too, because, you know, he's dealing with that on the side. And I'm like and I'm like really fully surrendered now, too. So that's causing some conflict. So I go to this Bible conference just like depleted. And I think it's actually the conference I met you, which is really funny. But I go depleted and God was really just like speaking to me the whole time. And my parents got divorced. So in my head, I'm like, that's an option, right? (laughs) I'm like, I should, you know, I think I just want to do that. Like maybe I could make this work with someone else, but this is just not working. You know, and it was just as much me (laughs) like as anything, but you don't like realize that. So I'm I'm at the altar and um, God deals with me and he says, if you guys get divorced he will lose his destiny because the bible is really clear about like people who are doing ministry and like in leadership positions you know they they need to be the husband of one wife and so you know and obviously you you shouldn't get divorced that shouldn't be an option especially if you're just fighting you know there was no biblical grounds for us to get a divorce other than just like having conflict which is which is normal as you're figuring out your first year of marriage. I mean, there are there are definitely things we should have done, right? Like seeking our, our pastor for counsel and, and kind of like sorting it out in a much better way. But I was kind of at the end of my rope. Logan was not thinking this at all either. Like I, it was definitely just me on an island by myself, much like how I had had. I was dealing with these mental battles before about leaving church. Like this is my mental battle about like kind of leaving him. But God really dealt with me, he said he will lose his destiny. And that really weighed on me like a lot because I was like, well, okay, well then you need to help, (laughs) you know, but I, I, then I said it in my heart that that wasn't an option. And I think that was really what needed to happen that like, okay, this, this is not an out. You can't just leave when things get hard. Sure. Yeah. That's powerful, Stephanie. That's powerful. (laughs) It really is. It was crazy. (laughs) But so then I started praying for him. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I took a hold 
God to pray for my husband. To surrender that last little bit, right? Because I could see how talented he was and I could see all the things that he would bring to our church um, and to God, like with his music. But I think he was afraid of just like surrendering because it's funny, I'm doing a Bible study right now um, with some of the women and it's on obedience and, and it's talking about how like we hold on to these things that God tells us to let go of because we're just like so afraid that he's not going to let us have what we desire and what we want. And it's just such a lie from the devil that if we give God what he asks for, he's going to like punish us burn and us. like yeah. burn us or like damn us to like just something that we don't want to do forever yeah like (laughs) and so I think Logan was just afraid like I think anyone is like you know I've had things that I haven't wanted to give up and and surrender and you know I do and I finally do and and God makes it so much cooler than I ever thought but I remember telling him that too I was like Logan it's just gonna be so cool like you don't even know what God could do and so little by little you know he started to to get involved again and and it started with teaching the kids music So he was like, well, I don't want to be involved on platform. And that, you know, he was okay to make that choice. Like that's, that's obviously an okay choice, but you know, he was like, I can teach these kids to be really good musicians. So we had Ezekiel and Naya Morales and we would have, you know, some of the other kids, we have like Darlene and, and uh, Tia and Lily, like all these like kids that were like kids then and they're teenagers now which is like so crazy but he would take them and we would we would take them on Sunday afternoons and we would feed them and Logan would give them music lessons and he would teach them how to play music as a band so he would have different kids on different instruments and how cool he would yeah he would teach them and so you know Pastor Jesse kind of worked with him in that and he allowed us obviously to have his children (laughs) um he trusted us to have his kids on Sunday afternoons and, you know, he would do it about once a month. And and then Logan really felt stirred to write a musical for the first time. And, you know, all this time I'm I'm praying. So every, every inch of ground gained, I'm just, I'm rejoicing because I'm like, wow. this is amazing. Like, God, you're doing something. Like, you're doing a miracle. You're answering my prayers. And so he writes this musical and he feels like he should tell Pastor Jesse about it. And so he tells Pastor Jesse, he's like, I have this Christmas musical. You guys can do it. You know, like, I don't, I don't care. I don't have to be involved, obviously. He's like, I don't need to be involved, but like, I want to give this to the church. Like, I want to give, you know, it was the first time he was really giving his talent back to church. Cool. Here, take this musical. And so Pastor Jesse's like, great, you can run it. In oh typical Pastor Jesse fashion. And two, uh, around this time too, I I'd gotten prayed for uh, Pastor Mitch Connors, who's in Troy. He was just coming and he was uh, preaching for us. I think he was just like covering a service or doing something. And um, he prayed for me for my endometriosis. And I really was like, I, I just got healed. Like I knew I knew wow. I had gotten healed. And and like there was some things too, like you get really bad cramping and things like that with your period and, and that was gone. And so I knew that I had, you know, I'd gotten healed. And so um, I was like, great, I'm healed. This is awesome. Now, like we can have kids. And, you know, that was like, we did, we did want to have kids at this point. And so, you know, Logan runs this musical and as he's like running this musical, we've at the beginning of December, we find out that we're pregnant and I'm so excited. And we tell pastor and, and Beth, cause I want them to pray for us. And so he's running this. I mean, this is him stepping into ministry. He's leading something for the first time since he was a teenager. Cause he used to run, run musicals. He used to write and run musicals as a teenager as well. 
And so he's running it and whatever. And so I have an ultrasound um, on the 20th. So it was December 20th. And the shows were running the next few days. So the shows were the 21st, the 22nd or, or something like that. And we sure. also had a funeral thrown in there too. But I go to my ultrasound and I find out that the baby doesn't have a heartbeat. And so <laughs> I, you know, like I go to rehearsal that night. We have rehearsal and I'm in it like kind of as an extra. And I just am like, God, like this can't be happening. <laughs> like had you told your this baby. Yeah, I had told Logan like I, you know, I was, you know, it was my eight week appointment. So I had found out pretty early and we had been trying to like we sure. it was like our first month trying, though. Like it was like our first month trying. And then I was like, I think I'm pregnant already. Yeah. So, you know, we had Pastor Jesse and Beth pray for us because I was like, well, maybe maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and like sure. I I was working, too, at the time. And I was I called out of work because I was like, I, I think I just had a miscarriage. And so. Also, it was like almost Christmas. Oh, so, so like much. I months. like, yeah. And so I wasn't, but I wasn't like bleeding. And so I still had the baby like in sure. me, but there, you know, there was no heartbeat. And so we also had to make a decision there too. It was like, do we let this take its natural course? They told me it could take four to six weeks potentially. Oh, um, and I was just like, that's a lot. And so, you know, I had really good insurance. And so, you know, I had to talk through my pastor, like, can I get a DNC, which is right. a very, it's the same surgery as an abortion, but they're able to take out like when there's no heartbeat and there's no viable, sure. you know, that was a very, as a Christian, you know, I, I'd gone through this thing with my best friend growing up and, you know, I'm anti-abortion and, and I'm just like, grappling with this difficult decision because there's dead baby in my body i just want you to know stuff the the massive 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 difference even though it's the same procedure is intent yeah there's an intention (laughs) to kill the baby when you're aborting it and then a dnc is a heart-wrenching thing where you're having to remove a baby that's already passed away yeah so it just it breaks my heart when when moms have to wrestle just the fact that you're wrestling with it means that you're not having an abortion yeah <laughs> you know what I mean I don't yeah know. for sure so he's oh, running geez. a play and he knows that I'm miscarrying oh gosh and yeah so like we're having to do this whole play weekend <laughs> oh my gosh while I'm like wrestling with these decisions and figuring it out and it's a weekend and then I have to call in Monday and get like a you know a second ultrasound to just make sure that that it was right. And I was praying, I was really believing for a miracle, like, like, God, you can like resurrect this baby. Like I just, and so I was just like, I was really like, you know, just distraught. And, and so it's Christmas. And so I'm like, well, I need to have a surgery like right away. So I ended up getting surgery on Christmas Eve. <laughs> it was not a great Christmas. That year. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of, I, yeah, like like you said, like I'm having this dream of my husband rising up and he's just like, you know, he's he's giving his talent to God in a way he never he hasn't in a very long time. And and so it's this huge victory with this huge loss. And so, you know, I really had to like believe God and, you know, it was just such an assault on me while my husband is rising up. And you really have to look at like God and be like, God, you you really have to sort this out because I can't. You throughout your life, when you had to deal with serious setbacks, you had antidepressants as a crutch or you're drinking or drugs 
was that a struggle for you in those moments? Like, was there a part of you that's like, I just want to go get drunk and not think about this, or I want to just escape the pain of having to go through this emotion? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it was a miracle that I didn't because I, you know, I think I, I really wanted to, you know, and, and at the same time too, we just like, we had, but like, I do remember that, like, I, I was in bed for like two weeks. Oh I was very gosh. depressed because I was just like beside myself. So like I had surgery, we had Christmas and then I didn't leave my bed for like a week. And poor Logan was just like, he was trying to get me out of the house for anything because he was like, he just saw how upset I was and they'd given me a leave of absence for work. And so I was able to like, just, just sit in bed, which is not, not good for anybody. Um, and I didn't really tell people what I was going through either. My family knew because it was Christmas and, oh, and pastor and Beth knew. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely like a rough time, but I mean like, so, I mean, I think I had like a depressive episode, but you know, I didn't give it to God in the way that like, I wish I would have, but I also like wasn't handling it the way I would have before. There was definitely growth in January of that year. We find out that pastor Jesse is leaving Rochester. So like no. pastor Jesse has given, you know, like we've gotten really close to pastor and Beth. They've helped us like helped me with our marriage. Like they've helped us. They, you know, he gave Logan this great chance. Logan's getting all this growth. And I am just like, Oh my goodness, now they're leaving. And it was the worst because, you know, Arizona doesn't um, observe daylight savings, as you know. And so we had thought that it was three hours behind. So a bunch of us were out at dinner and like we were going to go watch the announcements at our house afterwards, but we had messed up the times. So like we're at dinner, like listening to the announcements and all of a sudden we hear into Rochester Keith and Carrie Sullivan and we're like what do you mean into Rochester because <laughs> oh <my laughs> we hadn't heard the switch out part so it was a great transition right like it was just like God needed Pastor Jesse there and Pastor Sullivan here and and Pastor and Carrie got this beautiful word from Pastor Bowman I think it was at the music scene before they left and Pastor Bowman gave them a word that he would see a tsunami of souls and that he's like the right person for Rochester at this time. And he was going to bring us into our destiny. And it was crazy because Steve Bowman, I think, referenced some of the words that we've gotten as a church. So it's just cool because it's like only something God could speak. We were very sad at Pastor Jesse leaving, but we also knew that we just needed to get on board with our new pastor. And I think from kind of like not understanding what it's like to have a relationship with your pastor's wife to like having such a close relationship with Beth. I was like, I am just going to, to get close to Carrie as fast as I possibly can because we started running together. Carrie and I were go running together because you know, she's a little bit older, but that girl still runs. Um, I was Mm -hmm. having to keep up with her (laughs) Um, and not the other way around. And so she, you know, we just got close with them and um, it was crazy because through that, so there was like, you know, a, a couple of music scenes over uh, online and, you know, Logan didn't really participate in those. We did, I think the first one in person and Pastor Sullivan, he hadn't cut his hair yet. And that was the point of surrender. And, or he was writing another play in the midst of all this too. So he was trying to do some stuff for church and he had quit his band right before the pandemic. He quit both of his bands. And that was crazy because one of them, he was in a cover band, like an emo night cover band. 
finally kind of making money at shows and like it was like huge crowds yeah you're talking like 200 people in a small room coming out yeah that would be huge yeah so it was just kind of nuts so like that's kind of where he was at and so pastor really saw that i think pastor sullivan so he's like yeah sure so logan did a music scene and that was kind of crazy too he like wrote original music for it and he really like got into it and it was just such an answered prayer still kind of grappling with the loss of our miscarriage we had stopped trying for a few months because I was like just so kind of distraught and I wasn't ready for that kind of emotional turmoil again. Mm-hmm. And so did his first music scene. And then it was funny because Pastor told me we were going to go to Prescott Conference. So it was the first Prescott Conference we were going to go to together. It was July of or 2020. July of 2020. It was going to be the first conference we were going to go to. Pastor told me he's going to cut his hair after conference. Oh, and wow. I was like, okay, Pastor, like whatever. And so in my head, I'm like, he is going to have this moment when we are at conference. It's going to be crazy. Like, wow, God is really going to move. Conference got canceled. (laughs) Right. right. I think it's the only time. And it wasn't canceled, but it was like, you could not travel in for conference that year. Oh, sure. So I am just like, God, how are you going to ever use this? And like we watched, you know, like the night sermons or whatever. Um, We ended up like because we had already taken off. Well, I was fired at this point. Oh, that was like also something that happened. So. It was May of the pandemic and I had gotten fired and and I ended up having the best summer of my life because I was like able to just like I because of all of the like unemployment, I was able to make the same amount of money, but like not work. Yeah, that was crazy times, <laughs> crazy times. <sighs> and um, conference is canceled. We go on a vacation because we were already planning on going on a vacation anyway. So we go to D.C. for a few days and then we come back and. And then that Sunday, he was going to go get a haircut because he would get his hair trimmed or whatever by a girl in church. And so, you know, he went and um, I just was like, and then I like went to night service and he said, come to the parking lot, like come out of the parking lot because I had been in prayer. And I said, okay. You know, I found out later he had asked Pastor Sullivan, like, I want to play on platform. What do I need to do to do that? And Pastor told him to cut his hair. And so he'd had long hair for... I mean, I think like eight years at this point, like for a very long time. And so I go out to the parking lot and his hair is like completely cut off. Like he just like cut it wicked short. And I was just like in awe. I was like, oh my gosh, God, wow. And Pastor Sullivan (laughs) with the prophetic word, even with conference not happening, it was the Sunday after Prescott Conference of July 2020. And so, you know, I was so excited. And then we actually ended up getting pregnant in August with like our first son or September. I found out September 4th because it was after I had interviewed. It was after I had interviewed with a company. So I like had already gotten a job because I was kind of on the fence about taking a job if I knew I was pregnant. And like, I don't know. I was like, exactly. Yeah. And so I ended up getting this job and like God like completely worked it out because a friend had reached out and said, hey, apply to this position but it's not up because she was the recruiter she's like it it doesn't exist so just apply for other and send in your resume and I'll get it in and I'll I'll get you a job and and she did so it was kind of crazy because I mean it's the middle of a worldwide pandemic and people were losing their jobs left and right and I was able to have the funnest summer of my life because it was the first summer I hadn't worked since I was 14. Wow. And I was able to like enjoy this amazing summer go paddle boarding and do all this stuff and like just 
sleeping and (laughs) live this beautiful life and then get a job. And then I got pregnant right after. And so um, thankfully, too, it wasn't as intense as my previous job that I'd gotten laid off from because I I remember like thinking about it. And, um, you know, God had given me a scripture. It was some song. Oh, gosh, I I don't even know. I can't even remember what song it is now. But like, but just that he's still good. Like he has a purpose, you know, for everything. And and I got fired. And the next day, I just had no stress after I got laid off. And I was like, wow, this job is really consuming my life. And I was making it an idol in a way that like I just and so God had really used that situation to just show me like, that's not what's important. But yeah, so then I, I, um, we got pregnant with Nolan and so I, I worked this job and it was thankfully like a little bit lower stress too. So I was able to kind of like relax in my pregnancy and, and take it a little bit easier, uh, than I would have been able to before too, cause it was completely remote. So that was like amazing. Oh, and so cool. just this like blessing. And so then we had Nolan and it was a crazy labor. <laughs> I was like in labor for 25 hours and I pushed for five hours but wow. <laughs> yeah. But so this whole time, you know, and now Logan's on platform and now we have this like promised child, you know, because God had told me I would have a child. And so it was just like a really full circle moment of just like, you know, God really, really showing like who he is and, and giving us this like beautiful miracle. And then seven months later, I found out I was pregnant with our second. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are um, you guys trying again? Wilder was definitely a surprise. We, I think, like, God helped me because I had had a really rough time, like, just right after Nolan. Yeah. I didn't realize, like, I I definitely had some sort of postpartum depression, but I, I didn't recognize it at the time. I just kind of would, like, take him everywhere. I would just go everywhere because I was on maternity leave and I was like, this baby won't stop crying and I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go everywhere. And I think everybody thought I was super mom, but really I was just like, I need to not be in my house or I will go crazy. Like mm-hmm. I, I am not going to be well if I stay here. You know, we just, we did everything. <laughs> like I went to outreach. We went to practices. Logan had started his play um, neon lights, which now he's done like all over the country, which is crazy oh my too. Oh gosh, that's so cool. So that was the summer that we, was this, the summer Nolan was born was the summer he's, we did it in Rochester for the first time. And then he did it in a bunch of the Northeast cities. Um, it was like kind of crazy. I remember like July or some July or August of that year, we're going to the Malden church and we were going to Cape Cod and we, we just went to Albany and Bill Ricca and like we did all of these churches and it was very cool to pour into these churches that we'd kind of seen at Cape Conference, like our, you know, Logan's whole life and, you know, my, me since I had gotten saved. And so it, it was just kind of crazy. And um, then we had Wilder. And so it was kind of, I think God helped me because now I, I definitely want to have more kids. But I think if we hadn't gotten pregnant so fast, I don't know that I would have ever had more kids. Sure. <laughs> so, I understand that because you had so such a hard. difficult time with your first. Yeah. yeah. But then God showed me with Wilder that it can be like really great. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Like it was so much easier and it was so amazing. Yeah. And I got to like, you know, and now I have these two beautiful boys that like I wouldn't trade for anything. So and how old are they now? Like two and one? Yeah. Yeah. Nolan is two and Wilder is one. And yeah, Logan's been in ministry ever since. He's he's not really missed a day of platform except for when we've gone to conferences together. 
And the guy who told me he wasn't interested in going to Prescott Conference has now been to, I think, everyone since January of 2021. Wow. So, like, we've really... Praise God. And you guys just came back from California where you did one of his... Yeah. Logan, yeah, it was a crazy trip. We, um, Logan, we, we drove, me and Logan and my brother-in-law Sawyer, we drove across the country with all the equipment and then they toured. So from New York to California and then they went, they didn't tour, sorry. They like, they did outreaches. You know, my sure. music background brain is like touring. Basically they did an out of town outreach, but for like seven different churches. Oh my um, gosh. In San Diego. So they like, in eight days, they they did the play seven times. How so big, yeah. How big is his cast? He brought a team of five and okay. then he would have the local churches like do. Oh, he would like train the them parts. to be different parts. Yeah. Oh, how cool. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It was really sick. And so, you know, and then I flew back for the last show and then drove home with them. Wow. So because <laughs> wow. they the needed babies? a third driver. No, thankfully, my oh, mother-in-law okay. took the babies for us so that I could help drive. I'm like um, two and one on a plane alone. Wow. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I am not that brave. Um, not yet, at least. So, but we were going to bring them the whole time. But then we realized that because Nolan is two, we couldn't like a, a flight would be too oh, expensive. Yeah. So. Isn't that crazy? I know. You're like, yeah. dang it. We got to pay for you now. But yeah, yeah. So it's just was crazy. We saw 24 people saved over the seven seven performances so like just making impact for eternity and and now we get to do that as a couple we're on outreach every saturday we're just so locked into our church and like we just i you know i thank my pastors so much for that for just investing in us and and even when we weren't doing well you know pastor jesse really saw a lot of potential in us and Pastor Sullivan just releases us and releases my husband to do these crazy ministries. And like, it's just so mind boggling and like so crazy what God will do with someone when they just surrender. And like, for me to go from this psychiatric patient (laughs) to someone who doesn't need any medication, I like rely on God and I have such a joy and I'm able to like impart into people's lives and see people saved. God just has done so much. Oh my gosh. It was so fun to get to know you more. What a powerful story, girl. Oh Oh my gosh. It's so encouraging. I hope it helps someone. And now it's documented.